the idea of a militia is so skewed by the way that it's presented and like the first time I remember being presented a modern day militia was in a Michael Moore film and I think that it was probably Bowling for Columbine but if we did not have three years of Orange Man Bad leading up to this impeachment do you think a lot more weight do you think it would have gone down differently yes I think it probably would have Welcome to the salt of the streets Coming at you every week With this food for thought Hope you're ready to eat With everything going on in this nation We need some information And that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation With real talk and real topics Real people, real columns Think we need some help to solve them And leave it up to Colin and the Donovan Cause that's the one What's that? Oh, let's get ready And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix Rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship We are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, February 8th, 2021, 46pm episode 78. There's a lot of numbers in there and I'm highly confused, but welcome back everybody to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, and the sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always... We are your hosts. I'm Colin. I'm Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, we've got a lovely Virginia state gun control bill that is, uh, is it's it's making moves. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about here too, and here, yeah. Which, if you missed the pre-show, go back and and listen to that extra long pre-show, which was a nice dose of local gun control legislation talk. Come on, Drew. Um, so we're going to carry that on and start bringing it to the national Handsome. and other state level. Um, we've got a lot of, we're just going to call it Trumpian news. Everything from impeachment to State of the Union to the acquittal speech afterwards. And then uh, hopefully we got some time. There's been, we had our last presidential Democratic nomination debate last night on mm. Friday. No, there's there's another one after. Another there's one? one in Nevada. We'll just say the latest and greatest. Yeah. How about that? It was um, the last one before New Hampshire. Before because, the real primaries. Because there's one after New Hampshire, yeah, yeah. in Nevada. And Nevada is, yeah. New Hampshire primary. If you're listening primary. to this on Monday, I think the New Hampshire primary is on th- Tuesday or Thursday. Sometime next week. So, and New Hampshire has a law, a state law, actually, that they have to be the very first primary because they're fucking stupid, and because <laughs> so, they're New Hampshireans. Yes, and so they're, yeah, so they're the very first one, and then Nevada, I think, is the next one. And then we'll probably talk about a little bit of Super Bowl when it comes to sports later on, because I conveniently decided that it wasn't important to my life this year <laughs> and totally skipped it. I watched updates like on. Uh, I like the fantasy football app, kind of how they do that, where they show, you know, the yardage gains and all that. So I, every now and again, Google something to see where we're at. You didn't even watch the Super Bowl? No. I've been slowly watching the commercials. You didn't watch the Super Bowl? Um, I've been slowly watching clips of the halftime show. (laughs) I felt so confident that you would have watched the Super Bowl. I know. I had some things come up, and I was just like, this is more important than the Super Bowl. All right. All right. Fine. I want to say that... uh, Trying to remember exactly what I did, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Probably maintaining relationships in, in some capacity. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
the first thing we want to talk about, especially because I wanted we wanted to talk about it last week, and we just kind of never got anywhere, which this bill coming out of Virginia, um, HB 961, which is an assault weapons ban or a gun control bill, whatever way you want to. Can you are you having problems? Let me uh, let me help you out here. I remember my first beer that I it's had. It's just open. this thing, and it's just since it was on here. Okay. Okay. I'm all right. All right. This is pathetic. Now. It's not just me, everyone. Do we have the There's capacity? Give me that lighter, and I can do it. Oh, there it is. I got you. I got you. There you go. We'll use uh, Rick. This is a uh, tiny Rick. There you go. There we. There go. we go. Thank there you, it sir. is. I don't care where that cap falls. Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, HB nine sixty one. In Virginia. Which is a bill in Virginia that seeks to, for one, define assault weapon as well as severely limit the <laughs> ability to acquire, sell, so on and so forth. And there's other ones. capacity magazine stuff in there. Yeah. And there's other ones that have to do with limiting, like, uh, Gun purchases to one handgun a month, and yeah, you said magazine ones, and there's another yep. one similar to ours that's background checks for ammunition and, uh, you know, increased taxes on ammunition and. Which is something, depending on which article you read, conveniently leaves out. Yes. All of those. Which, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. Um, interestingly enough, they're defining semi-automatic rifle and rifles and pistols as Assault weapons. Yeah. Because anything that can... High-capacity magazines or anything that are more than 12 rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, trigger activators that are designed to make weapons uh, fire more rapidly. So, in this case, we're talking something similar to bump stocks. Anything um, of that nature. Yeah. And silencers, quote-unquote, which mm. is also called a... Suppressor. Suppressor, which I've actually... I've never shot one, but I have... Been there while other people shot us. They're harder. To, they're hard to get. From what they I are. understand, that you can get them. They're just more difficult to. Yeah, the guy that had this one. This was a, a dude that we met in uh, while well, we were out hunting this year. Um, huge gun guy, just a big gun collector and avid shooter and stuff. And he has um, the license to carry a suppressor. And really? So yeah, it was cool. He was able to show us how to do it. And he said it's not difficult. It's just a pain in the ass and it's expensive. Um, and it's a lot of kind of, it's almost like a lottery in some fashion. It's a very strange way to do it, Yeah, but you can get it. And I will say it's still loud when you shoot a, I mean, this was a nine millimeter, um, pistol that we shot and I mean, it's still loud, but it's not going to echo for miles. It's not going to blow your eardrums out. I would still recommend wearing ear pro when you do it, but I mean, it's not like it is in the fucking movies where it's like, that's not close to that. I mean, it's certainly suppressed. We will say that. And it does a lot of bad things for the bullets, velocity, and stuff like that. So, it's not an ideal thing for, say, like sharpshooting and stuff like that. But it it definitely has its its uses. People in Europe use them a lot for hunting, um, which I had never really thought about before. But when it comes to hunting, it, it makes more sense to use a suppressor than anywhere else because what are you worried about when you're in a hunting area when you actually take a shot everything within miles is going to fucking hear that thing and they're going to bolt and so you limit that down you don't ruin everybody else's hunting experience and you know helps i don't know keep the the 
danger level down for the, some of the animals that are in the area. It's a, you know, I can see how they do it, but nobody does it out here. It's big in Europe. So, anyways, there was most a, people here have them for like in their houses or just because. yeah, just because they call it a a life and liberty situation. You know, mm. in which you would have to protect your life and liberty for one reason or another. Those are generally the reasons. But there's also most people and, you know, whatever. Most people who own a suppressor, I feel comfortable, would also make the argument that it's not any of your business why they need to own a suppressor. It's just part of the Second Amendment and it's I get to own a suppressor. Yeah. Which is, a, I think, a totally valid answer. So. Yeah. And I think if you understand what a suppressor does, you know instinctually that it is not somebody trying to create a weapon for an assassin so we can secretly kill kill people. It's, yeah. it's not how they work. It's not how it would work. It's just not going to happen that way. I don't know any how many instances of gang violence around here do you hear that involves suppressors? I mean, I don't think I've ever heard no. that. So, it doesn't – it makes no sense. But anyways, it's part of guns and guns are bad. So, it makes sense for Virginia to be doing this. Um, The big thing that was in the news two weeks ago when we sat down to talk about this was there was was what turned out to be a 100% peaceful demonstration around the the state capitol building or it was either that or the governor's mansion um, by thousands, if not tens of thousands of – gun-bearing concerned citizens that proed up to peacefully protest against these bills. And and in the wake of, like, in the, not in the wake, in the lead-up to it, you know, there's all of these media reports of, you know, there's going to be militias that are showing up, and, you know, there are white supremacists that probably will show up because it's a Second Amendment rally, and, you know, everyone needs to be really concerned. And the government, the state government even came out and said that there was credible threats of, of violence, um, that, you know, that they received on that day. And so they banned any type of firearms from the Capitol grounds on the day of the rally. And so anyone, all the pictures that you saw of people carrying any type of firearm were from outside of the designated area of the demonstration. Which um, was not hard to, I would say, it's not hard to imagine that would only affect a portion of the protest because it was Fucking massive. 22,000 people. Just a few. Yeah. Just a few. 22,000 people showed up to the Virginia State Capitol and were able to successfully, peacefully protest while bearing arms. I think that if that's not a a win for the Second Amendment, I don't know what is. Well, and it strikes directly counter to the narrative that was trying to be built around it. Because guns are bad. Militias are bad. And, you know, all these things, even though that's the, the idea of a militia is so skewed by the way that it's presented. And like the first time I remember being, presented a modern day militia was in a Michael Moore film. And I think that it was probably bowling for Columbine. Mm -hmm. And he went and he met up with people who were part of the Michigan militia and like watched them do drills in the woods. And 
you know, he's talking about how these people are preparing for some type of government, you know, that they might have to overthrow the government. And it's a gun about or a movie about gun violence in schools, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the Columbine shooting and stuff. And so they're obviously painted to be a bunch of fucking crazy people who are just out in the woods preparing to have to fight the government. And and that's I obviously what the core ideal of a militia is, but they're not a bunch of fucking crazy people who are talking mm-hmm. about ways to overthrow the government. You know, it's a. I think that's that brings it into mind something that I haven't. It really gives it such an inherently negative connotation. You know, because you think back and I don't around. Think that that's the no, and I mean, and that's probably just due to the fact that like our need for militias, net militias. Depending on how you look at society, are right. not needed anymore. So if you have a militia, you're instantly you're instantly a suspect. You know what are you right. doing? Why are you doing this? You're you're preparing for violence, and so I can understand that narrative a little bit. But the more I think about it now, why did we have militias? Because we well, didn't have a massive. Right, we, did, we didn't have a standing military at first, right? right? And so now you're correct. That function of a militia no longer exists. You know that that function of. I mean, it it could it yeah, could it could one day, but currently, because the standing military is what it is, that. Well, I'll even yeah, go another that, step further. That doesn't from that. stand the way that it did before, and and I don't I don't think that takes any validity away from it. I just mean that even the idea of the role that a militia has now, mm-hmm. that they may one day be needed to protect themselves from infringing from the government infringing upon people's rights. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that bears an inherently negative connotation, but the way that it's painted, and like I said, the way that I first remember being. Uh, exposed to a militia and the way that it's being talked about and painted now in the media gives it an inherently negative connotation that I don't think that it actually bears. You I know? don't think I've ever heard a positive narrative about a militia no. anywhere in the country as long as I've been paying attention. No. And but, I don't <laughs> but I don't think it should be that way. Right. Right. That's what so I'm like saying. I, this is the first time I've ever really playing around this thought. So I'm literally thinking out loud for probably the first time on this topic. But yeah. you think about it, right? We Became a nation, mm-hmm. and a lot of time passes, and we're at our current state now, where we have military bases, I would assume, in in every single state, somewhere, in some kind of capacity, there's something. And then on the state level, we have National Guardsmen who work for the state, Yeah, often go out and work for the federal government as well, in a nation. But Almost contracted out. The, what do you call somebody that's in a National Guard? Citizen, a citizen soldier, right? Yeah. What is that other than a militia? Right. Except for the fact that when you sign up for the National Guard, you are going through every single thing that a normal army soldier would have to go through. Well, and to do that, and you're then beholden to the state and federal government. You yes. know, not to just the people. That I mean, you are in a sense beholden to the people because the you you swear an oath to defend the Constitution. The Constitution. Is a living embodiment of the people, you know, it's a written embodiment yeah. of the people, but but you you aren't beholden to the will of the people the way you are to the will of the federal government, yeah. you know, which and- makes me think that a well organized militia would something that we should still want as citizens of our states. Yeah, you would think, right? I, I think so. And in in my this is this is now an opinion conversation because Hard. that's as as far as it is now that's as that's as much as it's. 
the the rally itself defeated the narrative that was painted by the yes. modern media that there was going to be something bad happens because you can't have this many guns and all these people are twisted and you can't have them all in the same area without something bad happening. There was not so much as a fucking whiff of a problem mm-hmm. because everyone's strapped to the fucking teeth and if someone pops off, they'll be shot by 90 people at the same time. This is that old uh, an armed society is a polite society. Yeah, it's like... We, there is a scene, there is an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Dee and Dennis are in a feud with Charlie and Mac about what to do about the gun crisis. Is this over the fence thing? Or No, I think that was an immigrant episode. Yeah, yeah. and so... There's so many good ones, it's hard Dee to keep track. and Dennis are arguing that it's too easy to buy a gun, and so they try and go to a gun store, and they both have been in a mental institution before, and so they can't buy a gun. <laughs> and so they're super pissed off, so they go to a gun show, and they try and buy it, and the gun is way more expensive because the guy is willing to sell it to him without a background check, which is... A whole nother deal. But yeah. anyway, this dude is going to tell him without a background check. Um, and then he says that he won't, you know. And so then they try and steal the gun and everyone in the, in the gun show pulls out a fucking gun and is pointed at him, you know. And it's the same idea. Like that's when you're around that many people that are armed to protect themselves. Yeah. Nothing is, is likely to happen because so many fucking people are there that are openly carrying guns to say that this is i'm here to protect myself and to protect my rights you know yep. so i will say before we get into the real opinion stuff yeah. the bill after this demonstration the right. bill still passed the public safety committee in a party line it just vote happened of, like yesterday i think or maybe the day before. uh yeah yesterday or the day before this article is dated the 7th so that yesterday. would have been yesterday yep um so we're talking friday if you're getting in on Monday, and the bill was passed in committee, twelve to nine along party lines, twelve Democrats, nine Republicans, and, and then so there now was we'll a, go fourth. A bunch of state troopers that were in uh, that room, you know, in the committee meeting room, and after the vote, they were just kicking everyone out of the room. Everyone, you know, so many people had showed up to protest, you know, this vote and to speak their piece, and immediately afterwards, the police are like, if you don't get out, you're going to be arrested for trespassing. Like, get the fuck out of here, you know? And it just... It's dark. It's dark dark to see something, like you were saying before, to see that many people show up to argue against it, and it still happens when there's that many people telling you that they don't want it, you know? It's because the political class of people in that government, in that society, yeah. have decided that they are wrong. It's like the same thing happened with the vape ban. You know, a yeah. whole room full of people in this state showed up to say that they did not agree and they didn't think it should happen, and they still fucking did it, yep. you know? Because they know they are our betters, yep. and they know better than us. They know and what's I, good for us. And I believe it's today, um, you know, fact check, but I believe it's today that the temporary vape ban is up, and they're not going to make it permanent. And so now all these people whose businesses have closed. This is just the Washington State one? Yeah. Yeah. The Washington State one. Um, the flavor vape ban that we had here, you know, is different than the one that is, is federal. We talked about that last time. Um, so after a hundred, this is from KREM2 and ABC or NBC affiliate. What's the I? CBS, NBC? Yeah. CBS. CBS. So it's a CBS affiliate. Um, the Washington State's flavoring. Vaping flavor ban expires on Friday, so that would have been last Friday. Yep, yesterday. After 120 days, retailers will be able to sell flavored uh, vaping liquids. However, this could be temporarily temporary pending legislation because they are working on legislation. They are, but the last I heard it, it looked like they weren't going to actually be able to get 
a flavor band done the way that it had been this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you're looking at all these people who have lost their businesses oh, yeah. in this 120 days. And they're like, oh, well. 120 it's- days is how many months? Roughly four. Four, yeah. How do you keep your store open and stay above water for four months? Yeah. When more or less your entire revenue stream has been swept out from right. underneath, probably seventy percent, you know, yeah. in most cases. I mean, because they sell coils and shit, but that's not going to be enough to keep you afloat no. in most cases. You no. know, like there's that. Yeah. There's one in Palsbo. There's some that, that are still open. Yeah, that one glass train or right, smoke right, right. train or whatever. But they, I think. They have a glass a good backbone because yeah, they sell a lot of like uh, stuff you'd find in an old head shop yeah. before weed was legalized. Yeah, yeah. You know, water pipes, water pipes. Yes, when <laughs> when I was in Jersey, that's what they sold at that head shop that yeah. I I, I got them pipe. There these pipes. This is this is a water pipe. Yeah. If you didn't know, <laughs> really, it's either that or it's a tobacco pipe. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, definitely, it's all water pipes. It's very strange. Um. So hopefully, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we'll figure out. So yeah. What's so going anyway, that. that was slightly off topic. So so I want to talk about militias again. So militias, right? Yeah. And and I I think that what were we talking about militias? Oh, that it's something that's still necessary, right? And I, I agree with that. Um, and I think that in a lot of cases, if you don't agree with that, you know, I think that it's just a different inter- interpretation. Or understanding of, of what the militia is, you know? And I, I don't personally believe that that's the correct interpretation of, my bad, of the Constitution. You know, I, I think that it is. So maybe I think that it shows a complacency. If you don't think that, if you don't think that a militia is necessary, then it shows, I personally feel a complacency in connection with the constitution and what your rights are and what your responsibility is as an american because is that not the argument most used on say like the more progressive circles that we don't need, don't need militias it. anymore don't need it. we have we, police, have we have the military we yeah. have all these things we have yeah. we have daddy to take care of us and i don't and i don't agree yeah i i, I obviously agree that the military is there in most cases to mm-hmm. fight foreign wars to protect the country in that is its job yes. you know foreign but, wars first of all and the police are there to enforce the law and i think that a vast majority of the time that's a good thing you mm-hmm. know um but i don't believe and i think that that is shown in instances like these videos that we saw in the committee meeting room in virginia the police's job is not to protect our constitutional rights even if that's what they're vowing to do when they take their oath is to protect the constitution that's technically the government's in, job in some cases there are people who are doing that and we've seen it in virginia a lot of those counties and stuff that are doing the second amendment sanctuary thing a lot of them are saying that they are beholden to the Constitution and the people and not the government, you know? But we've seen in a lot of cases that people aren't interpreting their oath that way, yeah. you know? Because the government exists to protect our rights under the Constitution. And if yeah, if your constitutional right is being violated uh, from the government, that's it's what the Constitution was written to protect against. Yeah. And if you spin it the right way, you can say, well, we that was back then, and we we don't need that now. So that doesn't but I, just to game this out, right? What are an instant in an instance where you would have to activate a militia in order to protect citizens to protect their own constitutional, God-given rights from the government? I I believe that if 
Washington or any other state were to find itself in an instance where the government were actively taking people's arms from their homes if they were like going door to door, you know, the way that some like Eric Swalwell and, you know, Beto Roar, people like that have talked about going to people's homes and saying, mm -hmm. you know, we need, we need your rifle now. It's and, registered. We know it's here. It belongs yeah. to you. Where is it? And I think that if, if that type of thing were to start happening, mm -hmm. I think you would quickly see people banding together in neighborhoods, in different sections mm -hmm. of cities, you know, that were choosing to defend those rights and not necessarily of the general public, you know, yeah. but if you have like a real tight knit neighborhood and you know that all 10 of your neighbors all fucking pack heat and they're all protect, they're all hugely supporting of the second amendment neighborhoods like that are going to close the fuck up. Well, let me you know? attempt to smash your dreams here for a second. And I think this speaks on so many different levels societally of where we sit. You live in probably one of the, the last bastions of community that exists. As far as communities go, your town yeah, is yeah. probably up there as no, far 100%. as community involvement, yeah. right? I absolutely agree. It doesn't exist in yeah. a lot. I mean, I, we have meetings now in our little, our little town out here that, uh, I just found out from a client of mine that there's an anglers meeting every, I think it's the first Wednesday of the month or something like that. Well, you at got the community spaghetti, center. the spaghetti dinner. Yeah. $18 a ticket. What the fuck? That's a lot of spaghetti. Bro. $5 to go to the anglers meeting, which they also have a free dinner there as well. But free that kind of stuff can help build community, right? Yeah. But one of the, you know, the original sanctity, the original bastion of community involvement used to be the church, obviously. And that's, so we've, we've moved so far away from there. Yeah. So let me just keep rambling on this for a second. Yeah, so yeah. we've lost community. We've lost community as it used to be. So there's not that, that camaraderie and community anymore. I don't know if, I mean, do you know all the neighbors in your town? No, no, no not I at mean, all. That's, it's and damn near impossible now. And so how, Let's say, worst case scenario, Beto O'Rourke's in the office and everybody's gone with him. Everybody's gone crazy. And they're going around picking up people's guns at their houses, right? At that point, if you don't already have a well-formed, coherent yeah, militia, yeah. it's too late. So, Because one person or one little town of like, let's say there's 15 guys and gals that come together as a town and they're the armed militia of that, of that town or whatever, they're still... There's no way they can do anything. And and I, I agree. I, yeah. And so, I'm not talking about like fighting in the streets here. But if you have a massive majority of the community that can form a militia and go march on the Capitol and say, this needs to fucking stop now. Or we're going to forcibly remove you from office, put people back in there that can reinstitute our rights and we'll get back to normal. Like yeah, you don't yeah. necessarily – but without that – that weighty bargaining chip to be able to push back against the government, it's too late at that point. So let me reframe it because because you're correct. I agree that there's the communities that are tight knit enough as I described are few and far between. Yeah. Um, and even ones like mine that have keyboard days and shit like that. And I think I still don't. And I definitely I think we should get there. Right. No. I, be I a agree, better world. But I agree. So let me reframe it. Right. In in the world that you're talking about, or in the scenario that you're talking about, where people's people's I need arms to try are, to justify no, the no, existence no, I, of a I militia. Agree. I agree. Yeah. So so in 
in that scenario ever, that you've you're talking about, doing about this. where people are going door to door, the local sheriff's department, whoever the fuck it is, is going yeah. door to door and they're taking people's guns. I think that it starts with individuals showing mm-hmm. up at the wrong person's house who says, fuck you, get away from my house or we're going to have a fucking problem and they close the door and the cops keep fucking banging on the door and they start fucking blasting. That type of shit's going to happen all over the place. That's... There are going to be people who are in their own homes as individuals are mm-hmm. just going to go down fighting rather than give over their guns. There's all kinds of those people in the United States. And yeah. I'm not talking about hundreds of thousands, but there's thousands of people in the United States yeah. that would rather go down fighting than f- than, than peace- forfeit their yeah, rights. Than, uh, yeah, yeah than, than forfeit their, their protection, right? Mm-hmm. So Which when- under the Constitution, whether you're believe it or not, are – Outlined as God-given rights. These are so not when, man-given rights. So These when that stuff you were starts born happening, when you have news reports of individuals that are, are going to be painted in scenarios like that, are going to mm-hmm. be painted as terrorists, terrorists, you know, whatever the fuck yeah. they're going to call them at that time, people who are unwilling to comply with the law, you're going to have the the more... I'm not even going to say reasonable-minded people, but the less con- – there's no nice way to say it. The less conspiracy-minded people, for lack of a better term, right? That mm-hmm. it's not – I'm not saying the people who would go down fighting are inherently conspiracy theorists or anything, but just the easiest way to yeah. describe it. The people who are more neutral on it, right, who are still gun owners but are not actively concerned about the government taking their guns – would start to see, I think, start to see those reports and there is a, that's fucking weird. You know, it's really weird that all of a sudden we have all these domestic terrorists here that are, you know, the cops are going there and they're fucking fighting with the cops, right? Mm -hmm. There's going to be enough people that see through that, that are part of those militias, that they start to band together and people who see that and recognize it and start to find a militia, you know, it's best believe if I start to see fucking reports in our state of people that are getting in gunfights with the local sheriff's department when mm-hmm. they're trying to take their guns. I'm going to try and find some type of Kitsap militia that exists in this area. Say, how the fuck does this work? Because this is obviously something that's happening here, yeah. and I'd like to be involved in something happening against this. I think that's where you start to get <clears throat> the marches on the Capitol that you're talking about that are saying, like, this this is done now. You know, yeah. and I think it probably starts in smaller areas, like going going into Silverdale and like local sheriff's departments, you know, and local state patrol outposts, and kind of taking those. And I'm not trying to just so everyone listening, I'm not trying to lay out like a war plan for anything. I don't. I'm not. I don't well, know any militias. A, I don't know anything. Yeah, and we're then, just speaking out loud. And that's but, like assuming that the the local sheriff's force is are, also are a part it, of it, right? And I'm only thinking that. I'm just assuming those would be the ones who would be going around collecting the guns. It may, it might be the National Guard. You know who fucking knows. But in in the instance that it is the the state troopers and the sheriff's department, I think that those outposts are probably getting taken pretty quick. You know, and they're like, "This is done. We're not doing this here anymore." And if it's gonna, I, I don't know. I know. I just see that that turns nasty really quick. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that you see organization really, really quick. If something like that starts to happen with individuals, I think you're going to see organization and mobilization really quick yeah. um, with people that, like we said, are, are just more neutral on it now. You know, people like us that that aren't actively part of any type of militia. But I also feel confident that you and other people we know, if we started to hear credible actual stories of the government trying to take people's firearms and then being killed by the government while that's happening – 
Well, people see, like you and I and our yeah. friends are going to be pretty quick to pick up arms and be like, what the fuck is going on here? You mm-hmm. know? So, <clears throat> and we're not, we're not alone in this, you know? So I think that you see a lot of people that are more like us that have things for passive reasons, for personal protection reasons mm-hmm. that get turned to more community defense things pretty quick, you yeah. know? I, can, I just can't help but think that if and when it ever did come down to something like that, like without some kind of base infrastructure to build off of, yeah, little too little too late. You know how quick does it all happen? And and, I, and I I'm would. actually like the, I just reread that portion of the Constitution, and if you think of it in that mindset as a militia to protect against state tyranny, yeah, where, where it would start, obviously. It makes a lot more sense. Well, but the term state is also just used in reference to the yeah, larger government, the large Secretary state. of State, you know. Yeah, yeah, but just government in general. Yeah. I mean, that's – I mean, what happens if we don't want to – if we don't want to lose all of our guns and they come for them? Yeah. You know, it's – depending on – thank God the, the government kind of sucks at making anything work and run pretty well. So, it would probably be a pretty slow, terrible kind of takeover. So, we yeah. might have time to respond. But I mean, the people that there would be some people that get violent, and you know. But what happens when they come and show up at your house and say, "Okay, here's what's going to happen: you're going to give us your guns, or we're going to take you to jail." Do you look at your family and say, "Well, sorry, I got to blast this one out, guys. It's been real," or do you just say, "Well, fuck, Daddy's here. He's got all the guns. I have a gun, but I'm going to die if I fight. Do I just hand over my gun?" Or do you fight it, go to jail on principle, and then they seize your guns? Or it's tough. It's a it's a scary situation to try to game out. I agree. Which I is agree. now why I've, I, I've all of a sudden become a component or a proponent of uh, malicious now. And I would agree with you in my general doubt of the – or not doubt, in my – the way that you said that there needs to be some type of infrastructure. I would agree yeah. if if – the nation had not been founded in a lack of infrastructure in militias. You know, people that once necessary. Yeah. Discussions happened in fucking pubs, in bars, in restaurants, you know, where people are meeting in smoky, dark back corners of rooms and speaking in coded languages and documents to ensure that they can make sure this shit happens. You know, that's already happened here. Yeah. We've already done that. We could do it again. That's And when you have things like... uh What's it? Fucking Signal and uh, WhatsApp, you know, things that are encrypted that the government has no ability to get into. Oh, yeah. There's nothing to stop anyone from having conversations over WhatsApp that they have with 90 other people in that same day, you know. That's a good call. Yeah, especially given, yeah, the Shit way- Shit like that starts to happen. How many people stop going to work? We have know, the communication like, infrastructure in place yeah. already. Better than they had back then. Yeah, 100%. That gives me faith. The coded language is yeah. not necessary. The code is not necessary. The code it's is the encryption. already. Yeah, it's yeah. already there. So- I, I like it. So the, you know, meeting in public is not even necessary. It's not- You can- You could establish- a coded language over WhatsApp to be able to communicate over Facebook, you this, know, to this, be able to have open conversations, to yeah. be able to create things like this, to organize a march on the Capitol mm-hmm. with an armed militia without anyone knowing about it, you know? And the scary thing about it, the hardest part, I would say, is that it has to be a 
an organization that is completely and utterly divorced from the political establishment. Yeah. It, you can't it can't be out there lobbying for bills. Well, it and can't I feel be like it, at that point at that point where people are doing the work to set up coded languages and have meetings. <clears throat> oh yeah. At those that people point. are outside any type of anything other than we are preserving America the way that it was founded and we will mm. rebuild once this is done. You know? There are I don't know that the conversation about how to rebuild will be had until after the deed is already done, you know? That's well, Don, congratulations. If we weren't on a watch list before we are now, now. I like it. That was, I've never really thought about malicious in any serious context before. This was, this was a fun thought experiment for me. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the director of the FBI's name? Stephen Ray. Yeah. So what's up, Mr. Ray. (laughs) What up, Pompeo Haspel? What's up, guys? Fucking Gina Haspel. I don't want her involved. I don't want to know her ever. She scares me. She knows us already. She's fucking terrifying. Talking about organization and malicious. Looks like this this innocent, sweet little grandma who could be at home baking pies, putting them in the counter in 1944. Or she is somebody that runs and green lights torture programs <laughs> jordan told me that she was going through her email this week and she found an email i think she said was from instagram that a guy had sent us a message um and he said like hey i really like your guys's content and you know if you want to team up sometime and like do a crossover or whatever or, like collab you know just let me know and these are my other pages and like put the links on them so she clicked on the links to these pages and the f- there's three different pages and the first one was babes for trump and it was you know just girls with their tits out and like country uniforms and shit and you know just stuff like that that's all right forward me that trump info. 2020 and um <laughs> and then the next one, like, they were just, like, increasingly more... Extreme. Propagandistic, you oh, know? Okay. Yeah. yeah, and extreme. You know, the, the last one was, like, like the, the, the second one was kind of, like, socially appropriate Trumpist propaganda, like, things that your family would share, you know, mm-hmm. that's, like, Muslims want to destroy America, you know, the shit that we've talked Those about things, here. Yeah. And then the, like, the last one was, like... The Democrats are going to destroy America. Like it's time for us to Blood rise up. Soil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like some real shit. And so she's. We're on the phone. And I'm in Safeway, and she's telling me about this. And she's like, "How? Like I don't understand how this even happens. Like how does this dude like find?" And I was like, "I don't know." It was like so the same way that we got fucking totally blacklisted is the same way this dude found us because I don't know where the fuck along the lines. I used a hashtag that put us in the far right category. I don't know what the fuck happened, you know, but this militia talk isn't helping us. So <laughs> Certainly this not. This is just where we're at, I guess. Sorry, Instagram. Oh, Sorry, no. America. Hashtag militias on this one, I guess. Whoops. I think that's really interesting, though. They, I mean, those things happen all the time. And the sad thing about it is that at the end of the day, you know that person or that entity did not come by your page through some person making a connection right some kind of some algorithm. algorithmic yeah. thing that, that because i hashtagged second amendment or some shit you yeah. know and some far right dude also hashtag second amendment yep. we're on the same page somewhere and because you and i are two dudes smoking a joint or fucking drinking a beer this guy's like hey 
these guys are willing to fucking get down with the government, and they also want to throw back a cold one at the same time. So exactly. Who's, they look like a good time. If anything, this we have a little good. bit of protection, because I feel like there's a lot of far-right guys out there that think weed is still a, a gateway drug still to heroin good. or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, not too long ago listening to an episode of The Commentary where... Noah Rothman said that he didn't care what the studies said about cannabis, you know, that he was sure that it was habit forming. It's and, so bad. And that it was a gateway drug and all this shit. And, and you that's, know, I, I don't care what the studies have said. There's no convincing. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, bro. Is, like, yeah, you're perp, you are actually right, purposely man. saying, I have looked at this as and objectively and I refuse to believe yep. it. I'm ignoring it, which that's a legitimate okay boomer. It's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. <dude. laughs> Yeah. Or is is Pothorns a Gen Xer or is he a boomer? He's probably a Gen X. He's not that yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, and that was he's... Noah Rothman who said that. And that's what surprised me so much that I was like, you and I get down together so much that now you're like, weed is bad for you. I don't care what anyone says. You want to know Ooh. how I know you love Noah. Noah Rothman? Is that you can hate him as much as you can love him. Yeah. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. Whereas John Podhorns, you could kind of care less what he has to I say. I fucking hate John Podhorns. <laughs> he annoys the piss out of me. He's just so he I feel like he tries to present himself as like very nonpartisan and then argues so staunchly partisan in favor of Republicans and like hardcore conservative that I'm like why are you not honest? In with defense, who you are, you in know? defense of John Podhorns, he said that at the very beginning of every episode, Commentary Magazine is a place for political and social commentary from yeah. a conservative point of view. And if he is nothing but an old school conservative, and that's fine, but he should be honest about it outside of his Amen. twenty second thing yeah. in the beginning of the podcast. Twenty second. Yeah, that's you true. Know, whatever like, it is. Before, is this before he does 20 minutes of a rambling monologue? About fucking nothing? God. <laughs> it's nothing and everything all at once. My grandkids. And I love and every brain second brain. of it. Because it's so... I don't know. I, have I a, fucking I, listen every week. You know, I, listen, <laughs> I, I listen every week, so I sit here talking shit, but I still fucking... However, the ones where it's one of my Noah Rothman podcasts. is not on, I won't listen. Um, oh, yeah. As long as Noah Rothman is there, I'll listen to it. But if anybody is also doing it over Skype, I also won't listen, because oh, their yeah. audio can sometimes be questionable as it is, and when it's going to be over, I really can't stand Skype podcasts. I yeah, fucking tough, hate man. it. Oh, I hate it. They're tough. I, I hate I can't it imagine doing one here because you just when you're when you're in a conversational podcast you know and you're trying to have a conversation with somebody it's i can't skype on the phone i can't do I it it's like just it. there's something highly unnatural about it and there's i don't know if it's if it's just me but there's some kind of like delay involved and there's pausing and people accidentally step over each other there's no natural flow of conversation right. anymore and because it's of that delay and shit yeah man. Yeah, fucking Joe Rogan has talked about it a couple of times. He's done it. like two, and it's because hey, I really want to talk to this guy. He's kind of like dying, Edward and he's super Snowden. old. Stuck and Edward Russia. Snowden, yeah, yeah, supposedly stuck in Russia. <laughs> who knows where he is? He's fucking Ed Snowden. He could be anywhere. He could yeah, be who in knows the Maltese. Is that is that still a place? I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> Malta, yeah, yeah, Malta is P- still a place. Yeah. Judges from there. He looks like a Shetland Malta. His his name, I think, is Maltese Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Yeah, I, I had to help somebody pronounce Buttigieg the other day. Boot edge edge. And 
Okay. It's on his Twitter. Drew Hansen also has his perverted pronouns on his Twitter. <sighs> he is. Just in case you were wondering. I wasn't, but in thank you. In case you, you couldn't deduce <laughs> that for yourself by virtue of the fact that he looks like a man and goes by the name fucking Drew. I'm sorry that I would come to the conclusion that his pronouns are he, him, based off of objective reasoning. I'm sorry. Do you – oh, okay. So before we move Fuck. on to President Trump, let me ask you about this. There was this video I watched. Did you watch the – the video from the Young Turks talking about the Pete ad from the Super Bowl. Oh yes, I you did. did? Oh, I sent it to you. I was wasn't so that the happy. best fucking thing ever? So it was great that it was an exercise and how can I be offended by this? The great thing was the dude saying I most people wouldn't even like that I was saying this, but if you look at it through an intersectional lens, yes. then you you would see that black and brown people are disproportionately affected by climate change. So this is oh, what it's uh, appropriating the cause because they should get the focus on this issue because they're disproportionately affected. And then the woman saying that black people are treated worse than animals in America. Yep. Wilderness animals are generally treated better than black Americans is what she said on the fucking Young Turks. And don't forget, they assume that they probably started – there was a picture of a bear at one point. Yeah. They yeah, probably yeah. started with a white polar bear and then decided that they w- would go with a black bear, but that would be too extreme. So, they went with the brown bear. Yep. Okay. First of all, PETA ain't thinking that hard about intersectionality. They kind of are – they're more hardline than the intersectional folks, for God's sakes. Peter's pretty bad. The intersectional folks don't have a solid foundation to go off of. You just kind of make up the rules as you go. It's weird. You know, because there is no assigned point system yet to who gets more points for being X amount of oppressed in this particular angle or degree. But or- the farther it goes, the more we're starting to figure it out. You know, especially like when Cory Booker dropped out of the race and he was talking about the lack of diversity in the party, you know, yep. or in the in the people running for, for Democrats, you know. Mm-hmm. And so being a woman is not as highly ranked as being black. Being Asian is not as highly ranked as being black. Being gay is not as highly rated as yep. being black on this intersectional scale. And I'm not trying to – we're not being fucking funny. We're not like making up like haha jokes. There's this strange, it's inherently ladder due to its ridiculousness that's being established by yeah. who is, who is being oppressed more, and so that issue matters more than this other issue because and, they're not oppressed as much. Yeah. and it's fucking weird. And the really scary thing is that intersectional mentality has or is slowly systematically taking over the entire Democratic Party on the national level. Yeah. The DNC has become an intersectional organization. And if you're not part of that crowd, you're not going to play with us. If you don't if you don't meet our rules, you can't play the game. I mean there was there was a line in the debate yesterday on Friday where somebody <laughs> had pointed out a lack of diversity in the candidates, right? And somebody smartly, and it might have even been Tom Steyer. I can't remember who did it. Maybe it was Pete Buttigieg. Um instantly pivoted to focus on how diverse the party has become. Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't matter who's yeah. on stage. It matters what the, the party makeup is. Right. Which ultimately speaks more to the truth. So it was a good artful dodge by them. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk 2020. But yeah. Pete Buttigieg was – he was ducking and weaving and, and all over the place on that stage the other day. And I think it – 
pay dividends to him. But we'll get into more of that later. My boy, Andrew Yang. I felt so bad. Oh, Yang. He just could not, couldn't handle it. Just tripped and stumbled a few times. Okay, so, Trump impeachment. Um, so, this is, it's been two weeks. So, the Senate trial. The last time talking we were about here was the on the verdict, 25th. Right? I remember talking about the podcast, The Verdict. So, no, in some capacity, the Senate trial had already begun. In some capacity. Yes. Uh, um, so, let me let me give you this, right? Because I have a little timeline here yeah. that we can run through. So, last time we were here was on the 25th. And the 25th Check. was the first day of the Republican opening argument. So, they spoke for like two hours, right? So, the three days before, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, had been the three days of the Democratic opening arguments, mm-hmm. right? So... January 27th was day two of the defense opening arguments. Day January 28th was day three of the defense opening arguments. January 29th was day one of questioning. January 30th was day two of questions. January 31st was debate from the senators and then a vote on the subpoenas and witnesses and documents and all of these things. Um, February 3rd was the closing arguments from both sides. February 4th was the senator speaking about the the different articles. February 5th was the vote. Yep. And then February 6th was the response from the president uh, in the West Wing um, or in the West Hall. Was so the, at the, the prayer breakfast, is that what they called that? Technically? Both things happened. The prayer breakfast was in the morning. Okay. And then later in the day was that hour-long speech that happened. Oh. Those were two different events. I missed the prayer breakfast. In the morning, the prayer breakfast happened, and he was there and was one of the speakers. But there was another guy who was a pastor, I think, who spoke for like 10 minutes about forgiveness and loving your enemy. And it's such a great fucking movie. And <laughs> and all these different things. And at one point, the president even said that that guy wasn't going to like what he had to say. And then continued on with how evil, you know, the Democrats were and they tried to impeach him for nothing. He held up the newspapers, three different newspapers, I think, to show the headlines. And can I just say he's probably the only person left on the planet that actually buys the actual newspaper. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. I pass Sky every single day on my way to work that's sitting in his kitchen, light on at 530 in the morning. Reading the paper. Reading the paper. Word. Ow. I thought about that today, actually. I was like, man, I would love to get. Like the kids have son yeah. delivered. That would be dope. I could read that because their website fucking sucks. It's terrible. It's nothing but ads. Yeah, ads, ads, ads. Pop up ads. Terrible. Clean your cookies and you can take advantage of that. Uh, no more than three pops at a time before you got to sign up. Just clean your cookies out. You good? Um, so let's talk about this timeline real quick. Yeah, right? let's do because that. The the defense argument was no different than what we've been talking about for the last fucking six weeks or whatever. You yeah. know, when all these different witnesses are being called in the house and all this, the same argument that's being made by the Republicans since the beginning is being made by the defense now. Mm-hmm. Nothing is any different. Uh, Which is important to say. Nothing new came out during any portion of the quote Senate trial. It's all yeah. stuff that we've known all along. The only tidbit of information that supposedly was could have altered the calculus was that uh, leak of a portion of John Bolton's manuscript. Right, right. Which was, nobody could cooperate at all. They just went with it. It was like, well, obviously somebody leaked it to us, so that's what it says. We're rolling with it. Yeah. Um, and so let's see here. I know I have something from... <clears throat> see, this is the 20... 20- Eighth, and so it's day three of the defense argument. Last last time we 
we talked a little bit about the overarching narrative of the Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler led um, House. What's the name? What are they calling themselves? Oh, the impeachment that? managers. The, the, yeah, impeachment managers. We talked about their overarching narrative because they had talked, and it like we had said again this time that nothing really changed. Their narrative's always been the same. Right. And the Republicans shifted a little bit, little in, bit. The, in the sense that it it, it shifted. Not from everything, you know, is on the up and up and everything was okay because Mm -hmm. you had a series of Republican senators that were coming out saying that this is not good. You know, this doesn't look good at all, but I don't know that it's enough to impeach, you Mm -hmm. know. And so the argument quickly shifted from everything is cool to this just isn't enough to impeach, you know. They wouldn't address that it is wrong, you know, and people said that it's wrong. You can't say that. Just that it's not enough to impeach, right? And so one of these notes I have is from the 28th. It's Ben Shapiro episode 941. So whichever episode that was is when I was listening to when I thought of this, that Alan Dershowitz was arguing that a quid pro quo alone is not enough and shouldn't be enough to impeach. Um, but it's the context around the exchange. Um, and I believe that that is correct. And no one is making the argument that it's just the back and forth that is improper. And maybe I'm sure some Democrats are, you know, the more extreme ones, but well, that's the way general started. Right. But in general, the argument is not that it's just the fact that there was this exchange between the two. Right. Because that brings up the Hunter Biden Biden situation. That was on its face, a factual quid pro quo. Yeah. Which is something that the government does every fucking day to right. deal with foreign policy. Right. And so it quickly turns to, you know, the appropriateness of of the president, of why he would ask for these things to be mm-hmm. to be investigated. Because um, the argument there is the president shouldn't have asked for investigations with some form of a... You know, you do this, we do this. Right. Because it was tied directly to somebody that he would be politically running against in 2020. Right. And so this is in Adam Schiff's eyes and in the, in the eyes of the impeachment managers, this is an opportunity for him to try to cheat in the election. Yeah. And that's why they were making that argument, Adam Schiff specifically, that this had to be decided through impeachment because we couldn't trust the president at the ballots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't, and we've talked about that before. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sold, you know, on the fact that the, that the election is in question yeah. now that the president has been acquitted. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sold yeah. on that. And if Iowa taught us anything, it's just the fact that maybe we count, we can't count on the 100% validity of all of our elections because depending on where you're at and what type of election is being held and how it's being held in various states, it might be a total, you know, unorganized clusterfuck. Right. Like we saw in Iowa. But it does raise a valid question. But again, it's not necessarily valid to the point of impeachment. So, I mean, I totally get where that's coming from. Yeah. Like, it's not something that you can necessarily just put aside. But the evidence that indicates that this is purely a political move doesn't necessarily come to the fore. Um, or there's enough Burisma in itself and Hunter Biden in himself are so inherently kind of skeevy and shadowy and kind of corrupty that the you could justify a president's concern 
with the largest energy company in Ukraine to try to put, you know, to push for an investigation towards that company. And, and we've talked about this before. Like, yeah, there's yeah. a right way and a wrong way to do that. You get the DOJ so, involved with their people, and then they just kind of they investigate things in a joint manner, right? And that's that's what I was going to say is that that's that's not the argument that's being made by the it's Republicans. Not. It right? is not. the argument that's being made by the Republicans that's that as long as the president thinks that there's something that needs to be investigated, he can go out about it however he wants because he can control foreign policy. Specifically and concerning to uh, accusations or... Uh, of corruption. Of corruption, yeah. yeah. If he thinks and that there's corruption going involved, the president, as an entity, should have the ability to investigate that corruption. And the argument that the Democrats should have made is the one that you just lined out and we've lined out before, mm-hmm. that totally legitimate to be concerned because it's obvious that that something weird is going on yeah. here and that it's not on the up and up whether joe biden's involved or not some shit's going on with hunter biden and it's not fucking cool you know and someone should look into it but it shouldn't be the president and he shouldn't be the one asking foreign governments to be involved it should be the doj who's asking the foreign government to be involved in their investigation that mm-hmm. they've started right which when you Adam look Schiff, at the transcript Adam, of his phone call he you could with a couple, you know, jumps in logic, you could you could assume that Starting when he said, "Hey, I want you to talk to Rudy, I want you to talk to Barr," yeah, let's you know have your guys talk to them. Let's let's do. And that. Adam Schiff ruined this opportunity during the days of questioning when he was he asked about, you know, what vehicle the president should use to investigate something like this, and it almost seemed like he was gonna say the right thing and then went back on it when he was laying out that. Even if, you know, what Hunter Biden had done was wrong and it was corrupt, the president shouldn't be going to involve, you know, a foreign government to to involve them in this investigation. And then he paused for a second and then he said, and I don't know that he should be asking the Department of Justice to be involved either in the investigations of someone who's, you know, directly in conflict with them politically. I'm like, then what the fuck should he do? Like, you can't, you can't make the argument that he can't do this, but there's also nothing at all that he can do. Yeah. That's not a good argument. Had you said exactly what we have been talking about, you're like, you don't win, you know, but it gives you a bunch of points to be able to say, I get it. I understand. It looks fucking weird, but this isn't the way to do it. Yeah. This is not the way to go about it. When you have a Department of Justice like Bill Barr, who's so willing to take it on the chin and do whatever the fuck Trump says, to think that he wouldn't immediately call over to the Ukraine to say, hey, you guys need to look into fucking Brazma again because this is some shit. To yep. think that he wouldn't do that is is ludicrous. It is legitimately retarded thinking in the in the base sense of the term it is delayed thinking to not believe that that is exactly how that would happen i don't agree yeah which paints his entire argument in partisanship yeah yeah it yep and ted cruz i think said there's there's no way to do it well there's no way that you could do it that we would accept for you to investigate someone who doesn't agree with you politically there's no way to do it and i'm gonna go ahead and kind of assume that just due to your views on ted cruz and your thoughts about him as a person you probably haven't gone into the verdict podcast I've much not. have you I've Shit. Not. number one podcast in the world for a while oh my god number two or three now i think i think rogan took back over the spot um but I, in that in one of those episodes I, um ted cruz had had said that in as many words just said today was the day yeah shift stumbled 
and we got him now. Now we're free and clear. There's he Close just himself. Yeah. he just fucked his entire argument up. Because again, all you had to do was say there's a right and a wrong way to do this, and you've been doing it wrong, and it and it makes you look like you're doing it in a partisan fashion. Yeah. Which if it looks like you're doing it in partisan fashion, it is up to the house to try to impeach you on that because you are not giving us reason to think that it's not partisan at that point. That you're right. not just trying to do right. yourself a favor. Because you're saying you're saying that not only is this not an option, you mm-hmm. know, that there's no good way to go about it here. Also, we can't trust you in the election. So this is the only option here. So, and at that point, after he stumbled, the only good argument or even good point that they had after that was the way that the defense was kind of eating its own tail where in the courts, you know, they're doing this back and forth argument, like this double negative argument mm-hmm. where in the courts they're saying that they need to go through the impeachment process to deal with this and you can't be suing the president like it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. But then in the impeachment process, they're saying, no, no, you can't do this. You need to be going through the courts. You need to have the courts rule on all this stuff because there's so much precedent in all of this. And mm-hmm. it's, it's this double negative argument of like, so what the fuck? They're doing the same thing that Adam Schiff is saying. That's mm-hmm. there's no way to do this. That's okay. You know, yeah. we're going to fight you no matter which way you try and do this. And it's almost inopportune timing for the defense that both of those things are happening at the same time for the Democrats to even be able to make that an argument, mm-hmm. you know? And I had had a conversation with somebody who has, um, over the last couple of years, um, been infected with Trump derangement syndrome pretty radically, um, in my mind. And we were having a conversation about this and you know, my position on, you know, you should have taken it to the courts. You should yeah. have gone through this thing and take that hammered time. it out. Exactly. Right. Take Cause that we time. were, and we were talking about the validity of the obstruction of Congress charge that was in the amendments. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I was like, no, you, the president can't obstruct Congress because he's a separate entity in government and he has, he has it within his power to not necessarily bend and do whatever the Congress decides that he should do. Yeah. But he said, but that's not the case here. Cause what you're missing is, and this is him telling me this, is that, they're not trying to subpoena the president. They're subpoenaing the White House for documents. Yeah. And they're subpoenaing individuals that belong to the White House, that work for the White House individually, in case like John Bolton. Yeah. Um, to get their testimony. In which case, yes, it would have had to go to the courts because of the presidential privilege concerns that obviously would have come out of privilege. that. Yeah. Executive privilege. And I said, but still you like you could have fought for John Bolton in the court, and you probably should have. Well, and Don McGahn. I mean, you had Don an, McGahn, you had an, sure. you had an initial ruling on Don McGahn, and then chose to withdraw it. You know, yeah. So that's what I think is is really interesting is that you had something starting to go that would have given you precedent for mm-hmm. all of the other subpoenas. You know, and I don't necessarily agree with you that. And I don't know so if I, don't, I agree I with that where I was at before. No, no, no you, you're good. Because so let me. I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree, right? Because mm-hmm. I told you that I had shifted that I think it's the president's job to execute his executive privilege to the fullest of its extent to, to decide where precedent is. You know, mm-hmm. it's because it's not defined in the constitution. That's your job. You got to do it. Whether you like it or not, you got to fight that because we don't know where it's at. We don't know who wins and we have to find out, you yeah. know? So I agree that that was the right thing to do, but I also feel 
that had the subpoenas gone out and the president continued to try and obstruct that, this obstruction of Congress charge could have been more legitimate, you know? It's almost as if it just depends on how he would have taken it. You're like, hey, man, they're choosing to subpoena us. I decided that I wanted to make sure that we went through this all. If he did it the right way, but I just like and just said it in a normal manner where, you know, it wasn't necessarily in an attack mode or had formally claimed executive privilege, you know, because there was no ever formal claim of executive privilege. And they're just like, no, you can't do that. That's executive privilege. And the and the defense tried to argue that executive privilege is inherent, you know, that it's just something that happens. You kind of know, you know, whatever. But there's you also kind of have to say sometimes like, no, 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 that's exactly privilege like we're not going to talk about that mm-hmm. you know um i mean shit we've seen it play out in in senate hearings and house hearings over the years where like people just show up and say yeah that's covered under executive privilege without there being a former declaration of it yeah it's almost like we just need to nail this shit down real quick let's yeah. throw out some guidelines so we have something to go off of maybe. but there was but- also I, I the other reason i kind of agree with the obstruction of congress charge is that the president had an opportunity to play a role in all of these different investigations and in the different hearings and all this stuff. They had an opportunity to be there. And instead, the defense is arguing that they were blocked from all of these things. I think that that provides validity in some form to this second charge that you're sitting here trying to argue that we blocked you from something when you chose not to show up. You know, you're, you're obstructing this process by trying to provide false arguments to what we even did. You know, you're just lying about what's going on here, about the actual process of what happened. The president was never barred from any hearing. He was never told he couldn't show up. He was never told that he couldn't have representation. He was never told that he told that he couldn't try and call a witness, you know. But when you don't have a lawyer there in in the hearing room, it's really hard to try and say that you want to call a witness. Because all we you know? have is Jim Jordan screaming about how Jim we're not Jordan, allowed to there, call witnesses. One of the you know, defense, how, where did that, where one did of the that defense lawyers said that, you know, they, Pat Cipollone wrote a lo- wrote a letter, you know, of these are the reasons we're not going to comply with your subpoenas. And I, I don't know whether or not the subpoenas were legitimate. I don't mm-hmm. know what the difference is to whether the House of Representatives sends a subpoena before it's an official impeachment inquiry towards afterwards because either way it's a fucking subpoena so i don't see what the difference is and there's different levels of subpoena that's what i'm saying i don't i don't see what the difference is personally yeah If if it's being sent out in an official capacity it's a fucking subpoena. You show up or you don't show up, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand that argument that because there wasn't this formal vote, because there's, we talked about it before that there's no rule. There needs to be a formal vote. So because there hadn't been, and to, to explain this, Pat Cipollone, one of the defense lawyers for the president argued that the, the subpoenas sent out by the House of Representatives didn't actually hold any power because they were sent out before there was a formal vote on the impeachment inquiry. Right. Yeah. See, there is some fucking loophole technicality. And the only reason that there was even a vote held was because the Republicans were arguing that it wasn't official unless there was a vote held. Even though there's no rule laid out that says there needs to be a vote to to start an impeachment inquiry, only to have an impeachment to impeach the president, you have to vote, right? Yeah. But to start a process, to start the inquiry, to do all that shit, you don't have to take a vote on anything. No. And I think we even said that at the time. The House could do impeachment any way and they the, want to do so impeachment. So the only reason they ever even held a vote 
was to appease the Republicans to make the process more legitimate in Republican eyes. And then that exact same thing is used as an argument against them mm-hmm. because the subpoenas were sent out prior to the vote. Yeah. Which I think is bullshit. It's like, well, we technically didn't get started to that. So you don't get to decide as a defense attorney when the House was and was not conducting an mm-hmm. impeachment inquiry. I don't think that you get to decide that because but- you're not a fucking representative in the House of Representatives, nor were you a part of the impeachment inquiry. And given the fact that constitutionally the House can do impeachment any which way they want to. It bears no reason. And you had it's multiple, a but you had multiple people. <coughs> I guess because it has, until that moment where they had that official announcement from Nancy Pelosi, where said, we said, we're starting an official impeachment inquiry at this time. Go, boom. It started technically in their eyes. Yeah. I mean, if. I'm just going to put it like this, right? Because I'm not going to assume and I'm going to say that the House, just the Democrats in general, have been trying to impeach him since day one. But if we did not have three years of Orange Man Bad leading up to this impeachment, do this you would think- would hold a lot more weight. Yeah. Do you think it would have gone down differently? Yes. I think it probably would have. Yeah. There would not have been in such a defensive mode. Um, they've been getting attacked for three years. They're always on the defensive and on the yeah. counterattack. It's just, at the end of the day, it comes down to this is all, this has been three years of really, really asinine politics playing out in a really corrupt fashion. Yeah. On, on both sides, for God's sakes. You know, you have representatives making speeches when they first get elected saying, we're going to go in there and impeach the motherfucker. That's not that. That's Orange Man bad. Orange yeah. Man bad. We we good. That's where we're at as far as this thing. I don't see how you could have started the impeachment back then and still gotten the same outlook. And if yeah. we're going to be getting four more years of this fucking shit, I'd be really surprised if we're not playing this game at least one more time before it's over. And it and until we can until we can remove that that shade of partisan partisanship throughout the Congress and the Senate and everything. Right. There is no validity in anything because whoever right. the opposite team is fighting against the team that's in power, I'm not gonna see it anyway other than partisanship. Yeah. And even if there is a valid thing that does happen and we can remove him for something, what started it we started it in bad faith. Right. Because, consistently. Because I can accept someone who's not in favor of impeachment because they don't agree. It's just because they have a different interpretation of the Constitution, mm-hmm. you know? I Because they don't think that high crimes and misdemeanors fit this or whatever reason. They just don't agree legally that it fits here. You know, they don't think that it's right what he did. They don't agree with it. But legally, they don't think that it fits, you know, the bill for impeachment. I yeah. can accept that as long as your argument is not something along the lines of, oh, well, he was blocked from the process. And, oh, this and this and this. Yeah. So any of this other bullshit that came up here that was total nonsense straw man arguments from both sides. Yeah. That's fine. If you're, if you're reasoning, and I'm not trying to say like, your opinion's not fucking good enough. But I know that if, if your reasoning for this is any of these other arguments that we've heard, it is based in partisanship. Yeah. It's not just because you just don't agree, you know? Because we talked about, I mean, we, we even had, this was great. I shared this video, right? On the day that, that the vote actually happened. Your boyfriend Romney? Mitt Romney was yeah. the only one that voted from the Republican Party that voted in favor 
of conviction on the first the first article on the first article on the yeah. second one abuse he voted to acquit on the yep. abuse of power and I so I call that a half vote <laughs> I so greatly appreciated somebody you know for whatever reason and his was based in religion you know that he said we we took a vow under God that we were going to be unpartisan and we were going to be unbiased and we were going to do what was right and so i have to vote for this yep. you know mitt romney super fucking mormon we've known that for a bajillion years you oh, know yeah. he's always been super super religious um he said as much during the you know during his speech um he is mormon right yes i, I was gonna say i was pretty certain utah he, and shit. yeah but yeah utah uh, now but formerly yeah. of massachusetts um, I think so, yeah, yeah, but I'm pretty sure that he is. And it went Mormon. back to the promised land. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I got to find so that I binders just, full of women. I appreciated somebody finally being honest and not being partisan in this particular instance that he's like, no, this is not right and it shouldn't have been done this way. And if I'm being honest, I have to vote in favor to convict, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that there were so many people that were dishonest with themselves and dishonest with the God that they subscribe to that they're saying, I know that this isn't right, but I'm not going to vote to convict, you know? That's because there is one thing more sacred in politics than your God, your church, your family, anything. Your morals. It's your fucking party. Yeah. You owe allegiance to the party first and foremost and if this ha- if that has not been played out in black and white etched in stone after yeah. this these last 3 years I don't understand what's going to start labeling everybody partisan. Well, and if you ask me, as far as the arguments that were laid out publicly by different senators and congressmen, Mitt Romney is the only one who walks out of this on the Republican side with a clean slate, you know? A whole fuckload of people on the Democratic side that don't either, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're going after for partisan reasons too. But as far as the Republican senators that voted, Mitt Romney is the only one that I've seen publicly speak on the impeachment and the articles of impeachment that is voting that walks out with a clean slate. Oh, yeah. You know, everyone else is doing it for partisan reasons because when they all explained it, they did exactly what we talked about and explained it using these weird backwards fucking reasons that, you know, oh, well, he can do whatever he wants. He can conduct foreign policy however he wants, you know, and this is just a, a, a policy disagreement be- between him and some of his staff and the staff don't get to decide what is and isn't acceptable for the president, you know, and I don't think that anyone is making the argument that it's because he went he differentiated from his staff yeah. that is the problem. Nobody. It's the fact that the entire government outside of the president and Rudy Giuliani had an established foreign policy of what they were going to do, and he decided to do something different. And it's not that he did it. It's why he fucking did it. And the huge problem I felt with the Republican argument, with the defense argument, was they just brushed over all of this context. Nobody you know? asked why. None of All of this doesn't matter. The and closest that, answer we got to why was – Hunter Biden, Joe Wright, Biden are corrupt. And that to me was the biggest letdown of the whole entire process was what a fucking shame the two days of questioning was that it wasn't used to actually get any answers. No. They were just continually asked to bolster the arguments that and the talking points that had already been made. It was just, no different than nope. watching any other Senate hearing where depending on who it is that's being that's testifying. The questions from their team, 
are yeah. softballs. We're trying to make you look good. And the, t- the questions from the other side are trying to tear yeah. you down. And halfway through day two, I was like, I guess I don't know what else I would have expected. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that I should have expected anything else, but I guess I really thought for a minute, you know, that this is the only opportunity you have to try and make this fucking work. You know, to try and not, and I don't mean from the Democratic side. I mean, just in general, to make this process not total fucking garbage. This is the only opportunity you have is these questions right here. And then afterwards, you can decide witnesses, all that shit. But right here is the opportunity to decide if you're going to do this right or if you're just going to fuck the whole thing up. You know, because if there's no new information released in the questions, then you're definitely not going to vote for any documents or any witnesses or anything. Yeah. You know, this is the shot. And they all fucked it up. They said there's the one chance in particular for Adam Schiff. And he's like, no, fuck it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to give them any opportunity. Just fuck the Republican Party. You can't do anything right as far as impeachment. We're done here. You know? And it's a, it was a fucking shame. It was, it was a dude. fucking shame. The whole thing was completely disgusting to watch, to listen to, particularly since we're in the topic of questions. I yeah. sent you – you caught that question that Elizabeth Warren sent up to the bench, right, to, yeah. to Chief Justice John Roberts. I'm trying to find the actual text of it right now. Oh. Because – Yeah, it's it, like something to the effect of um, – Here it is. At a time when large majorities of Americans... This is the question that Elizabeth Warren wrote. And just so everyone understands the context. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Just so everyone understands the context. The questions asked by the senators were handwritten on a on a note card and then handed to the Chief Justice John Roberts for him to read to the managers or the defense attorneys. Mm-hmm. Just so, so this is the question that was handed... To to John Roberts for him to read from Elizabeth Warren. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. The top man in the The entirety of judiciary. Number one of nine. Yeah, the guy. So, quote, and the look on his face, man, was so perfect. You are fucking kidding me. (laughs) At a time when large majorities of Americans have lost faith in government, does the fact that the Chief Justice is presiding over an impeachment trial in which Republican senators have thus far refused to allow witnesses or evidence contribute to the loss of legitimacy of the Chief Justice and the Supreme Court and the Constitution. If that's not a giant fuck you, why do we even have you here? I don't know what it is. It was... I know at least as far as the senators are concerned, because I heard it from Ted Cruz's own mouth after that day. He said, at that point, even the the swing votes, quote-unquote, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, they all made an audible, like, ugh. Oh, yeah. Because at that point, you're just taking shots. You're yeah. just trying to embarrass people. You're just trying yeah. to make people look bad. And if there was anybody on the Republican side that was thinking about swinging the other way at that point, besides Romney, obviously – at, she concreted their vote on the side of their party yeah. the minute she asked that fucking question. It's disgusting. <coughs> but then yeah. again, it it's right in line with one of her her overall campaign promises, essentially, to reform the entirety of this, the Supreme Court. I think the thing that confused me the most, and then we can move on to the uh – the the speech the the day after. Oh, God. Um, I think the thing that confused me the most about the question is why would you not 
take the opportunity as a senator, right? Even especially as a partisan senator, why would you not take the opportunity to blast fucking holes in the defense's story by asking questions you know they can't answer? Or asking questions you know they have to dance around the answer to because they don't want to answer, and it's going to, like, in itself blow holes in their story. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why you don't take that opportunity. Well, I guess at the you end know? of the day, when it's already a foregone conclusion, because, you know, you need that 67-vote threshold, and there is yeah. no way in hell you're ever going to get that. And, and I get You just it. say, screw it. Let's just swing wild. And I Maybe I get, get myself it. a couple bumps in the polls. And I, I think that's what I'm thinking more, is that if nothing else, if you can – show that the Republican senators are going to be partisan in their vote because these two days of questions, the defense just looked like stupid shitbags because we blew open their story for two days and the Republicans still voted to acquit the president. How do you not win seats in the Senate in 2020 because of how many people, Obama, Trump voters that are on the fence about it, that aren't sure, you know, that are going to see this and then see that the Republicans are just as partisan as the Democrats are, you know? Yeah. Well, I, even, I don't know how you don't win seats if you if that's what you do. And I'm so confused that neither side did it, you know, that neither side took the opportunity to try and just fucking clobber the other one. Mm-hmm. I think that's so weird. Maybe everybody just assumes that they their corners – I mean, they already have the base they want. Oh. I, I don't know. If I was a Democratic senator or Republican senator and I was a prosecutor especially, I'd be like <laughs> – Dog, I'm writing questions. I'm fucking slitting throats out here. I got this. I'm slitting fucking throats. Like, let's do it. You know, I got this. I can't imagine why they, you know, I I would ask specifically, how do you justify to the fucking, to the defense attorneys? How do you justify the president's decision to go outside of the standard channels of the executive branch in asking the Department of Justice to investigate the Ukraine by asking the Ukrainian government to to investigate it, to investigate Burisma instead of the proper channels. How do you justify that? Yeah. You know, the only thing they can say is we can do whatever he wants in foreign policy outside of the proper channels of what every other president has ever done. Why the fuck would he do that? Yeah. Why does that make sense? If if it's not for some type of weird personal reason, why the fuck is he doing that? You know, as a Republican, I want to know that it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I went on a little fucking tweet storm like the day or two before the vote where I said something similar. You sure that, did. You know, is that like I'm really hoping there's at least one person who is sitting there and is like going to shit their pants because they feel so horrible and torn up inside that they're being told to vote party line. There's a break and they go outside and they're like, fuck it, man. I'm a Republican, but I want to know, like, what's the deal? Why is this happening? You know, I agree. Mm-hmm. Fuck Hunter Biden. Fuck Joe Biden. This is obviously sus. But this shouldn't happen like this, and I want to know why. I'm voting for for witnesses. I'm voting for documents because this is fucking weird and it's inappropriate. And I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna play a part of this. You know, I don't understand why it took a man being torn by the fucking god he thinks he's gonna be judged by when he dies to decide that he's gonna act on a non political partisan basis. That's fucking. It's backwards to me, man. And the arguments really backwards. The arguments he made. Makes sense to me. They're sound, dude. They're you sound. Know. Ben Shapiro tried to tear his arguments apart, or his thinking, yeah. um, the following day. And I really liked the way he went about it. He said that, you know, I do not have any problems with the way Romney voted. I have a problem in the way he th- – how he got to that that vote. He thinks He thinks that his thinking on the subject wasn't correct. And that's fine, because at the end of the day, he's – 
Ben Shapiro's not going to sit up there and rip on Romney. No. And he really didn't. Especially not should, when he's basing it in religion, you know. Well, you know, I mean, he's not of the same. Mormons, Jewish. <laughs> lot, big, there's a big divide there. I don't think we can even bridge that gap. <laughs> so, before we get into the, the full-on, the next portion of this whole fucking endeavor, two statements, possible questions that might help get us there. Um <clears throat> The first one being, we'll get to Romney afterwards. I need you at some point this evening. I got to double check it. They might have done an extra episode, but the latest, I want to say it's the latest episode of The Verdict. And it was after the vote on acquittal. We need, you need to listen to that because it was not only Ted Cruz and the execrable Michael Knowles. They had a special guest by the name, Lindsey Graham. Words. And they released some information about next steps. I don't know if Lindsey Graham knows. He definitely doesn't know what a podcast is. So I don't know if he knew what kind of uh, how many ears he was speaking to. Um, but he indicated that at this point, the Senate's next move is to turn around and uh, actually investigate the Bidens and Burisma at this point. Yeah. So that's going to happen. At, at Which some I point fucking, in the I future. think it's fine. You know, I don't, I don't disagree with that decision. I so, think that it's, okay. I don't, I, I, don't, I think was, that it's a waste of time because I don't think that when you look at it, it's illegal. You know, I think that when you look at the, what it, how it seems to be and the argument mm-hmm. that's being made by the Republicans is he got this job because his last name is Biden. Mm-hmm. That's not illegal. You know, that is not illegal. If Joe Biden had a conversation with his son, Mm -hmm. which I don't think you can ever fucking prove, Joe Biden had a conversation with Hunter Biden where he said, hey, you got to lay out this company because I'm working for it now. Then that's that's a a conflict of interest, which, again, fucking Mitt Romney said, so it's not illegal. Neither of those things is legal. It's fucking terrible. It looks like shit. In which case, Joe Biden probably has to drop out of the race because he's a horrible, horrible shitbag. But well, and depending those- on statute of limitations, depending on what the charge was. Yeah. Because, and this may not be what he's – he might be just specifically looking into that kind of family nepotism corruption and, like, Joe Biden knowing about it. And But really what they're tr- – what I got is they're trying to pinpoint Joe Biden as the point of corruption as apparently they say that – People within the Obama administration and the intelligence community and the State Department, all that, approached the White House with conflict of interest charges, essentially. Like, hey, fucking homeboy over there knows that he's working there. Joe Biden knows. Y'all know about it because John Kerry's stepson wrote a letter right. telling them that he was working there at Burisma and he he just wanted everybody to know that I am not a part of this because this is fucked up. So he we know there's documentation pointing that out to the Obama administration. They want to look into whether or not it was if they decided that it was indeed a conflict of interest and they decided that no, this is okay. This is more yeah. important. Corruption is corruption is corruption. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Doesn't matter who's in charge. Like we get it. If Hunter gets caught up in the fallout, it gets caught up in the fallout. Who fucking cares? Or is this something that they there was was there any kind of nefarious you know thoughts behind the whole thing? Was the reason that we decided to get 
Victor Shokin out was because he was going to go after Hunter. And we can't have that because we're on the vice president and we're America. And so that well, and I, I think, think is the question they're trying to get lo- to look at. And I think because there was so much international consensus on getting Victor Shokin out, I think it's going to be really hard to prove. I want to say it was like something like 25 or yeah. 52 other nations were also fucking the UK. It's got frozen yeah, assets. It's going to be really hard to prove that that's the reason that he yeah. was, he was arguing for the ouster of Victor Shokin when so many people around the globe were doing the same thing. Exactly. And when the U S is by Trump's own argument is spearheading you know the dealings with Russia because we have the most money involved over there it's not fucking weird for Joe Biden to be the one that's like listen motherfucker fire the bitch or you ain't getting the cash oh and like, we have we have legislation in place that makes it America's problem to make sure and it might even be the UN involved at this point that they meet yeah. certain standards right. of anti-corruption measures so that they can continue to resub receive yeah. funding and aid from the rest of the world. The same arguments made by the defense attorneys for President Trump also mm-hmm. applies to Joe Biden when he's the vice president. Yeah. That for them to get the money over there, there has to be enough shit going on. And if you have a third of the established countries you know, in the globe telling you that they think this guy is a corrupt piece of shit, yep. it's kind of your job to make sure that he's not involved in the money that you're about to hand over there. Yeah. You know? Which is I think that's gonna be a hard argument to make. And now, I don't I don't think that there's a lot of question other than the people who are speaking publicly for the Democratic Party. Hunter Biden obviously got that job on some sus shit. Like that was obviously not on the up and up when he got that job there because totally on the up you know, and up but despicable and disgusting. Well and because by his own admission he's like I illegal. probably shouldn't have done that. Like he yeah. he said it in himself. He's like I probably shouldn't have taken this job because it looks really not good that all this stuff happened when I yeah. was working there. You and know? even assuming the worst, and we might have talked about this last week, so forgive me if I'm rehashing it. A company would hire him to get closer access to the US government. Okay. Well, that's well. Good for Hunter Biden, I guess. Whatever, man. You got lucky because you got a sweet last name, but now there's an open channel between the American government and some fucking major. I mean, the head of Burisma was, by definition, a part of the Ukrainian government. He was a higher. He's an upper echelon. He was in charge of the entire energy industry in Ukraine. Yeah, that is a a valid avenue of communication to be set up between two different nations especially ones that are friendly and ones that have you know you're getting aid from them and you know you're trying to help by staging fucking proxy wars and hot wars against one of their nemesis is russia right like it's a very it doesn't take a whole lot of like kind of uh logical assumptions to assume that everything was on the up and up and it was just unfortunate and kind of a shitty thing that's allowed to happen that nepotism got involved and somebody that just got a shit ton of fucking money that probably belonged to the ukrainian people more than anybody else but you know it's it's just what do you do i don't understand and i will just say this on top of everything and then i'm i'll talk to you about romney because i think that's a good pivot into the next stage looking at three years of what President Trump does to foreign aid or anything that has to do with us as America talking to, dealing with other countries. He has time and time and again decided to just go take an existing deal 
whether it be the Iran deal or NAFTA or the TPP, yes, Trans-Pacific yeah. Partnership, and just say, nope, fuck it, we're pulling it out because I want to make a better deal. This is a bad deal. What makes you think that like this isn't the same type of situation? I don't think he's that fucking smart to be able to think about, you know, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, 2020, me, election. I don't think he's really smart enough to think that. And if anything, he knows that old Sleepy Joe doesn't have a chance of becoming president anyways because he's fucking old Sleepy Joe. Yeah. No, I don't I, know if I his don't, thinking goes that far. And so. I don't think that it does either, right? This is kind of the way that I see it. If if the narrative is a true that President Trump requested the investigations because because of, of 2020. Right. Then the thing that kind of sold me the most and tied up the loophole for this for me, right, or tied up the loop was mm-hmm. I, the way that I see it is that Rudy Giuliani is doing whatever he's doing. And he's been talking about crowd strike and fucking all this nonsense for a long time there. now, right? And so he's been talking about this shit, and now he's kicking it with Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman, and they're like, hey, you know, there's Ivanovich, and the Bidens were doing some shit over here, and, you know, mm-hmm. there's this happened, and whatever. And at the same time, President Trump is watching 10 hours of television every day, right? And I talked about last week that I think it was uh, Garcia that – had this timeline that coincided when there are reports of Joe Biden starting to pick up in the polls, you know, and then there starts to be polling uh, that compares different Democratic candidates to the president, you know, mm-hmm. and these different timelines, these different dates that coincide with the president asking for certain things and different conversations happening between different individuals that work in the State Department coincide with the dates that these things start happening politically for Joe Biden, you know, mm-hmm. that there's more reports on MSNBC or even on Fox News, you know, of shit. Joe Biden looks like he's doing really good. You know, we're going to have a real race here between Joe Biden and the president. You yeah. know, what's going on here? So that's kind of how I see it is the president is seeing that. And at the same time, he's talking to Rudy Giuliani, who's like, yeah, fucking Joe Biden, you know, Lev Parnas said Alex this Jones. thing to me about, yeah. You know, and the president's well like, be talking about, might as well be talking to Alex Jones at that point. And the president's right? like, you know what? I'm not worried about it because I'm going to win anyway because I'm Donald Trump. But yeah, why don't just make you sure. just pull on that string and see what comes out? Yeah. Why just, don't we just cut yep. Stormy Daniels $150,000 check to happens. shut the fuck up? So I, that is... If that narrative is true, when I think about it mm. and I try and construct it for myself, that's how I see yeah. it. And that's not a hard story for and me he, to, he for is, me to, you know. Yeah. And build. he's dumb enough to, to believe the stories of people now that we know were legitimately corrupt. Well, and he said as much in that phone call yeah. with Zelensky that, hey, CrowdStrike, Giuliani's been talking about this. Yep. Talk to fucking, talk to Rudy. Talk to Bill Barr. Yep. You know, I want you to have a conversation with him because I've been hearing this stuff. So the guys know? that didn't want Victor Shokin fired are the same guys that are saying that this is hella corrupt. That Joe Biden came in there, Hunter yeah. Biden, all this stuff, CrowdStrike. It's like, this is all just bullshit. But they're also in jail, going to jail. Left part of Igor Fruman? Yeah. In jail? They're, no. Lev Parnas is out doing fucking media tours, bro. That's right. So Who's the dudes that got locked up? There's two that of was them. That they was got, them. They got they arrested, got... but they're out on bail. Yeah, they're not in prison. They're in okay. jail. They don't we have just a, haven't they, gotten that They that haven't had a yet. trial yet. Yeah, no, they're just out on bail. They're good to go until their trial date. So 
not good people to be yeah, listening to, convicted. though. That's my whole thing. Well, not real good. From people what to be I understand, to. I haven't done more research, so don't take this one to heart, you guys. But I've, you know, Lev Parnas is being indicted by the FBI. I think for like falsifying documents. Yeah, so, the dude's fucked. So, from what we can tell, I mean, yeah, all these all people, yeah, all and, the people that were yeah. trying to call for him to come in and testify, innocent until like proven that. guilty, obviously. But it don't look. Come good. on now, boss. So, anyways, um, Romney. Romney, what's up? Um. Oh, what the point I was going to make, uh, Romney, as far as his reelectable concerns, his future career as a, as a politician. 2024. 2024, he's up for re-election. Yeah. Or do you think he'll run for president? No. No, it's over. No. Okay, I so he's safe in the meantime then. Yeah. So he's got some time, so he felt good th- enough that I he could talk out. I think it's possible in the next four years that he's like, I'm done. Like, I think that mm-hmm. by the time 2024 rolls around, Mitt Romney's like, I'm good. Like, yeah. Let someone else run Especially for the Especially if the fucking, system is the way it is. If the shit is the same. If Trump is still in office, you he's know, come 2024, he's like, dude, I've had four fucking, I've had eight years of this motherfucker, and there's going to be someone else coming in, but I'm still tired of the shit yeah. over it. So... Going now to the the post was on the sixth on February sixth, yeah. right? The fifth was the vote that we talked he about. Shat all over him during and, that talk, and the sixth, the president in the morning went to the national prayer breakfast, which I hate. Whatever, that's a whole other deal. But um, again, church, state, later presidential in the day, prayer breakfast. Um, yeah, later in the day. He held, I think, what was initially called a press conference, yeah. and then, excuse me, before it happened, it's like I'm not taking any questions today. Like I'm just coming out, and this I'm, is a me day, and I'm doing it. And so, oh, the and president, the president came out, and he had no speech. There was no teleprompters there. There was no nothing. So this was free balling, hundred percent. Like, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm going, and. um <laughs> So I watched it again the other day and I took a bunch of notes on it and he started out firing. He was just shooting shots. Like, oh yeah. He was, it was. He, for, he came out talking about how it was a celebration of his acquittal and yeah. he was acquitted for life, complete acquittal. Um, and then he started calling people bad cops and that dirty he, cops, dirty cops, Fucking yeah, yeah. quote, dirty cops. And, and that they had stopped. James Comey in the act um, and that if they hadn't caught James Comey that the president wouldn't be in office which I thought was really interesting Pause, um, but I think I might have fucked up State of the Union was before this wasn't it the day before yeah day but before. we can, we can go back you know it doesn't yeah. I got a piece so bad can you roll for 30 seconds <laughs> do you want to roll or take a break no, I got it. All right. Um, yeah. And so the president had said that they had stopped James Comey in the act and that if they hadn't have, have caught James Comey, um, and which I will link back to those episodes because we talked about all that James Comey shit. So I'll let me make a little mark here that I'll remember. Um, then he talked about that they have confirmed 191 federal judges. Um, and then he went on a tear of thanking individual senators and staff members for their support in general and also during the impeachment. And I actually, at that point, started to take a tally of the amount of people that he had thanked. And I I have, so this is plus or minus two probably, 
23 individuals you counted that he named and thanked and many told little anecdotes about um, it's like i'm pretty sure if but, it was just due to how long it felt he could have been thanking every fucking member of congress yeah, it yeah. took so forever. 20 23 by my count but like i said plus or minus one or two probably um he then after that described a scenario in which he had picked congressional and gubernatorial candidates and then bolstered support for them through rallies in those states. Yes. Which I thought was like, was one of, okay. So the, the uh, yeah, first, I when I first, yeah. So well, let me start with this. When I first listened to it, I listened to it live and I was fucking really disturbed by it. The whole speech, I was really fucking disturbed by it. And I sent it to you, and I was like, you have to fucking listen to this. It's got me fucked up. Like, this this is crazy. And then I watched it again yesterday. I wasn't quite so upset about it, but I, because I had been able to process it, excuse me, for like a whole day. But was it still, I still was like, this is still really not good. Like, it's very not good. And so this scenario, like I said, where the president talked about him hand picking congressional candidates off of lists and yeah. off of groups of people. Referring to the fact that he has to go now, he's like, I got to go interview these people. You know, how am I supposed to know if I'm going to hire yeah. them? Yeah. Excuse me? What the fuck the, are you? This is not how any of this is supposed to work at all. The connection that has been displayed, I think, just over the last two weeks, when you're talking about the Senate trial for the impeachment, right? And Mitch McConnell saying a couple of days before it happens, like, our plan is lockstep with the president. Whatever mm-hmm. the president thinks, that's what we have going on here. When that happened, that's like... That's shockingly inappropriate that you just said that, right? Let, let alone that you're going to do it. But the fact that you just said it is a fucking wildly inappropriate. And then did you forget two weeks that, later, like, you don't work for him? And then two weeks later, we we have the president describing this scenario where he's he's handpicking candidates. He's interviewing people and deciding who he thinks is going to be the best person to mm-hmm. be in this particular congressional seat or to run for this gubernatorial race. That shows a connection between the two branches that is extremely unhealthy. And it also cuts so counter to their argument in the impeachment of the separation of powers yeah. that it'll make your fucking head spin. <laughs> yeah, it is you can't, you can't look so, at those two together. So backwards that they're arguing in the impeachment that we need to maintain this staunch, you know, uh, divide and the separation of powers between the legislative and the executive branch. They all have their own business to be doing and they all need to just mind their own shit. But at the same time, the president's going to run all these campaigns and he's going to pick the people that, you know, he thinks are going to be best and they're fit, winners. Fit I best with one. his She's politics. I like this one's name. Let's have her in here because Lesko has the best name. You know, that connection is fucking dangerous. It's poisonous to democracy. And you know, those two being so connected is poisonous to democracy. And I'm not trying to be extreme, but that separation exists for a reason. You know, they're not supposed to work like that. They're mm-hmm. not supposed to, the president has a party because that's how people get elected, you mm-hmm. know, but he's not then beholden to the party once he's in office. No. That's not how it works. He, he takes an oath to, to the people and to the constitution, not to the fucking Congress, to his party, you know. No. So backwards. This is exactly what the founders were worried about, is they feared the power of political parties, because that's what this has become. When parties take over, it's a weird word to say, but republicanism, 
the idea of republic disappears. Yeah. And what's left is straight majority rules democracy. No separation of powers is necessary because we as a people decide what is right and what is wrong. And it just depends on whoever's in charge at that point, who has the biggest majority, a 51% majority. That's how civil wars start. That's how we start picking up and, and picking out people's guns. Yeah. Everything has become so partisan. And what Trump did here, all he did was say the quiet power, the quiet part out loud. The same thing, you could probably argue that, you know, everybody always refers back to the Reagan era, change politics, this whole thing. You could probably argue that this has been going on at least since the Reagan era. This this whole party rules situation is where the entire party works together on the general behalf the greater good of the nation as a whole yeah and it doesn't matter who's in charge what do we our sole purpose is for mitch mcconnell that he has stated and the yeah. president underlined their sole job is to pack the courts 191 federal court judgeships two supreme court judgeships that were installed under partisan circumstances assuming that all of what you're all of this stuff that's being said about picking people and getting behind people and make sure the right people get elected, you're, you take that logical thinking and you it spreads out throughout yeah. the entire party. And that means everything that you have done is completely invalid because it was all done under partisan auspices. You could probably say the same thing going way back for a very long time. I don't know. Well, but the problem is we're dealing with it in the here and now, and whoever happens to be in the chair that's making it blatantly fucking obvious that there is no more republic. It doesn't matter who's in the chair. Yeah. But that's what is happening. Well, and to me, it's a little bit deeper. What I than get that. out of it. I should say that's an opinion. I don't want well, to say, don't me, fucking freak out. To me, it's deeper than that almost because it, it's not just about the party. It's about Trump. You know, this well, this isn't just about the Republican Party. It's that these people are being devoted to Donald Trump. You I know? think that and Trump it shows is just the catalyst, though. You think so? I think he is the person they needed to make it all possible. He's the linchpin. But I don't know who the overall – Trump has never been a Republican. He is not – we're going to be having another fucking infrastructure week. That's Woo! part of why I think it's not about the party. It, this, this to me, it's, it speaks more like an old school – I told you, like an old school But the school only reason they backwards. do that is because he ran as a Republican. Because they're in charge. Mitch McConnell is in charge of anything that really happens. Trump goes crazy every now and again, and he does what he wants to do. It's not what Mitch McConnell would have done, but it doesn't matter because we are still in power. He's the real man. He's the fucking Dick Cheney of the Trump era, for God's yeah. sakes. This is who has the real power? Probably Mitch, because he's making long lasting institutional changes solely on the eyes, in the eyes of partisanship. Mitch is the puppet master, and he, you, the he's like, fucking, he's, the slow turtle wins the race. He's does letting, he not? He's letting Donald Trump think that he's pulling the strings, but really Mitch McConnell's pulling the strings. That's yes, what you think. A hundred percent Mitch McConnell. He's pulling all the strings that truly matter. It's just, it's, I, I feel it, you know, but I think it's weird for me because this, this, Trump wave has caught so many Americans, you know, mm -hmm. that it feels 
I don't know. I guess it strikes counter to what I'm thinking. But, but now the, the focus party. on Trump and him talking about handpicking all these people feels like some weird Tammany Hall shit where they've it elected does. one political boss and he's the one that's deciding who's going to run for what. The CEO know? of America. And that's fucking weird. And it's not just even that he's the one that's hand selecting, but when he's going places and he's holding rallies there, those people are winning after that. You know? And, and that's, that's the scary thing, right? That's what I think is weird. He that's has what's, the power. This is some shit that we got over in fucking 1950. You know, like we were done with this then. Like this it's weird. Because, you know, somehow or other, as divisive as he is, he gets enough of the populace behind him. I mean, you don't need 50%. You really don't to make change. You need close to that. Yeah. And yeah, his approval rating has, it went up after the <sighs> acquittal and all, and the State of the Union was the big one that really bumped him. It's the highest he's ever been, but I don't think he crested over 50. I don't think he hit I think he's five at 49 zero. right yeah. now. Which is still a fuck ton of people. And that's not even counting the people that would vote for him but don't like him. You know what I mean? Just an overall approval rating. Yeah. And so if you're that close, I mean, what's to say that? the vast majority of people out there that are just tired of shit, more or less they have a guy who speaks his mind, who's a fucking belligerent asshole when he wants to be, and can be very nice when he wants to be, and very accommodating. You know, everybody, like, you listen to the news over the last couple days, and it's like talking shit about racist fucking Rush Limbaugh being, whatever, dude. I get it. I will say overall on the, the wide... In the wide on the scheme whole. of th- on the whole, rubbing on the whole. Preparation um, age feels yes, pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> you know, he has done nothing but a net positive as far as getting conservative voices out there and get more attention. Good for him. You know, it's not it may not be your view of what politics right. should be, but it it is for a lot of people. And he's a goddamn hero to a lot of people. And he's not perfect. He got all fucked up, whatever. But Oh, shit, I forgot what the point I was going to make. But Trump, populist, all this good stuff. He he speaks to a large portion of the majority, a large portion of the country that isn't necessarily politically involved to the level that, like, they know how government necessarily works. Right. But he says things that more or less get them thinking, I like that direction. This is good. I don't want to be paying all these extra taxes. I don't want my jobs. To, you know, the the normal stuff that working day people care about. The stuff the Democratic Party used to talk about was, you know, protecting American workers. Blue the blue dog Democrats. There's yeah. no more of those. He's a blue dog Democrat disguised as a fucking conservative. And now you're getting you're getting a massive amount of people that will vote for you but don't necessarily like you. Yeah. And that puts the party in a position to make systemic changes that meet their overall agenda in the long term. And I think that's what's going on here. And it's going to continue to go on here for another four years if we're not careful. That's where I'm at. Yeah. (laughs) That's the way I see it, anyways. And this, so this wasn't the, this was the, the press conference, if you will, his victory lap. It wasn't a press conference. It was, uh, it was like an address. There you go. Um, yeah, so press yeah. conference, but with no questions from the press. Yeah, and so you know, after <laughs> that was that was good though. Um, he continued. You know, there was a lot of shit. These are just things that I wrote that stood out to me. Um, he oh, yeah, said Nancy Pelosi is a horrible person, um, which I wouldn't doubt. It's true. 
I'm not doubting it either, but it strikes me you don't as need wildly do fucking inappropriate for yeah. this. The interesting thing about this is it happened the day after the State of the Union. The State of the Union was, to me, one of the best speeches he's ever given. One of the most presidential. And this was the least presidential thing I've ever seen him do. Yeah. High ever. highs and low lows, man. Ever. Immediately back to back. Yeah. Um, and oh. then he said, think what we could have done. If the same energy was put into infrastructure and into oh yeah all you know, the all these all these other things that they could uh, you know Medicare pri- or uh, prescription prices and all this shit and he was talking about impeachment right which I think is really funny because you must be confused about how many fucking bills are sitting on the Senate floor not doing anything because Mitch McConnell's doing whatever the fuck he wants to do yeah, there's a few all this hundreds. shit hundreds of bills that have been passed through the House that are literally sitting waiting to be introduced or debated in the senate and they're fucking sitting there and he's like imagine imagine if the amount of energy that we put into this you know into impeachment could have been put into this i don't know if mitch if mitch mcconnell tried as hard as he could on those other bills as he did on impeachment exactly how much could be done because i've got no fucking clue because i've never <laughs> seen this shit in my adult life exactly. so it's really weird it's so weird this is the hardest i've seen mitch mcconnell work in my entire adult life is right here because I grew up in an adult life with Barack Obama where Mitch McConnell said, fuck you, Barack. And then after that, he said, I love Donald Trump, but fuck you, Nancy Pelosi. So really weird. So he's done like eight. I'm, he's I don't know how long he's been in office. A long time. Long ass time. Right. But he's spent at least the last 12 years just kind of kicking back saying like, I'm not going to do my nope. job because I don't like you guys. But you guys should really get together and start doing together. your job. Don't you look know? at my desk. Yeah. My in pile is not that big. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I just there was there was a line in reference to Mitch McConnell that legitimately made made me laugh. And this in Trump's uh on his plus side column, he can make any batshit crazy statement, he can turn it into something entertaining. No matter what happens. Yeah. He is a master entertainer. And he was thanking Mitch McConnell and talking about how a tough guy he is in the end and all this stuff. And he's like, but he said, but you know, he's like, I'm a good, I can read people pretty well. I'm really good. But I cannot read Mitch McConnell. And I'm going, yeah. oh, fuck, dude. Nobody can. He's a yeah. turtle. He is literally a turtle. And he goes, and he makes this joke. And it's, of course, it's totally bullshit made up because we know Melania doesn't give him time of day. But he said, you know, he's like, I'd go out and I'd meet with him on something. And we'd try to get something done and we need to have a conversation. And I'd come back and my wife comes to me and she asked me, so how did it go with Mitch? And then he, I don't know. I really don't know how it went with Mitch. I can't read him. Yeah. You know, it was funny. But of course, it's all fake. We know that that's not real. Come on. Anybody <sighs> that puts two and two together can... Even if it is real, it's it's ridiculous, but it's just a play to Mitch McConnell's ego, ego, which I don't really know if he really has an ego. Mitch it's weird because he because he doesn't. I think that Mitch McConnell thinks that he's the greatest politician of the modern era. I think he is, and that's, f- and I, that's think fine, I think as far as like being that. a politician, yeah. I think that he knows that, and yeah, probably. I think that he's like I absolutely am, no question. Didn't he make like a crazy meme like a couple years ago that got super popular? I don't know. Probably. Oh, shit. 
Dude, but it was like he's a, kind of it was hilarious. A perfect burn. Mitch McConnell's kind of hilarious, Be, especially he's, because he's not funny. He's a comedian, but like, when he in says a similar way that President Trump is a comedian, you know that like he he really believes what he's saying, but you're like, but that's hilarious what you yeah. just said, you know. <laughs> and President Trump, like I said, in in a similar type of way, because Trump also knows that he's like. This is a sick burn, like, and I'm gonna throw it down because because oh, yeah. this is a sick burn, yeah. But he it's also gonna sizzle. He's just talking. You're like, you're such a fucking idiot, and Mitch does that same type of shit. He's a genius, yeah. but he's a fucking idiot, you know. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So after that, the president predicted the Republicans would take the House of Representatives because of impeachment. So the president has predicted that come 2020. Nancy Pelosi will no longer be the Speaker of the House, yeah, um, because of impeachment. Which I and who did he say was going to be Speaker? Steve Scalise? Uh, no, 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 Mark or Mike? Uh, Mike Lee? No, Mike, no, no, Mike Lee? No, no, no. It's he's already that guy. He was he was the Speaker. Mike Lee's, yeah, he's on the outs. He, he, no, 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 that's a different dude. I'm Fuck, saying I'm this guy he that he was talking about was the Speaker before. Nancy Pelosi was the speaker. And so his name is fucking like Mike something or Mark something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, crap. I can't remember his name. Mark McGuire? McGrath? Something Something like that? Something similar. Yeah. Yeah, because Steve Scalise is in the house. He's the whip. Yeah, yeah, he's the house whip. Yeah. Do you know what a house whip does? Yes. Okay. Whips Whips up the votes, bro. Right. So there's a little um God, what is his name? It's driving me insane. Cause yeah, he was right there. He was in the running for the speakership once Paul Ryan stood down. Yeah. Or he took it over for a minute before Nancy came in, right? No. Nope, not I was wrong. House minority leader. Yeah, because I was saying I know he was gonna be in the running if the Republicans won again. In the house, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. That's Thank you. McCarthy. He writes a lot of editorials in the Hill. Yeah, which I would. Yeah. So McCarthy that. was never the speaker. I was wrong. Um, yeah. He yeah. was. He was supposed to take over for Ryan if the Republicans won in twenty sixteen, yes, but they didn't, and that's that's why I was thinking that. Yeah. So yeah. Kevin McCarthy is the minority leader. Um, why the fuck were we even talking about that? Oh, because he said he was going to be the speaker of the house. Yeah. That's why. Uh, I'm like, I don't even understand this. Which I was going to say, like. Okay, Donald Trump, you cannot be picking who the Speaker of the House is again. Just like you he, cannot pick who your senators and your reps are. Your reps are the House is supposed to vote on who their next fucking Speaker is. This was not the most disturbing part, but the weirdest part to me was that Donald Trump then broke down in detail the congressional baseball shooting, <sighs> and he also said that he saw the whole thing, which I thought was. I mean, super. He, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. Like, he might what have access he, to some videos or something. And that's. I was that's trying to understand. Thinking. Yeah, because he said that he, I watched it. He I, said I he saw, saw the whole thing. That's. I'm like, what? What do you mean you saw the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. That doesn't really matter. But it, it intrigued me personally. Right. You know. Um, but the just the. Mature content that lay within his description of the baseball shooting about Steve Scalise being ripped open and shit. Yeah. I just thought the bullet was is like, designed to rip you apart I as just it goes in. Thought it was fucking really weird, dude. So weird. And talking about seeing him in the hospital and his wife is bawling and, and she's then he so didn't upset look good. And the doctor said, "I don't know." Pretty sure he was gonna die. And 
you're prettier now than before you were shot. And it just was so fucking weird. It was highly... I just... I remember I texted you about it when I was listening to it. I was like, yes. All I know is that I really feel uncomfortable about this. And it went on and on and on for, I have no idea how long. Apparently, the whole thing was like an hour and two minutes. The The whole thing? The whole thing was an hour and 17, like, wait, like the whole video, because there was about like 10 minutes, I think, waiting for him to show up. He probably, what, maybe did it for 10 minutes? But it felt like a half hour. Yeah. Like we were trapped in this fuck. He tried to compare him to some second baseman from some long ago era. It's like, dude, this is so. And he's just, I felt bad for Steve. He's sitting there like having to relive this whole thing and like. Uh, Mr. President, I really appreciate it if we just move along. Well, and then he said that shit about Devin Nunes always being able to find any document. Devin Nunes would. the basements. I was like, that does not sound like a compliment, and it does not make him look very good that he's willing to find any dirt the president asked him to find. Like, that does not look very good. No, he's a troll. And he stood up for a second and then sat back down, and I'm like, he's got to know that that yeah. doesn't look good for like, him. I'm not, like, that's bad. Yeah. Um, and then the president read... Text and email exchanges between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. And the thing that stood out to me the most in this, again, besides how inappropriate it was, was he said that Peter Strzok and Lisa Page illegally deleted emails and text messages that they shared. 30,000. So, my question. (laughs) Was this news? So, how the fuck (laughs) do they do that and you know about it and no one's charging them? If it's illegal, how did they not pick up a single charge from illegally deleting 30,000 emails? They work for the FBI. Who works for you, asshole? Yeah. That this is your problem that happened under- any sense at yeah. all. And I never once heard about that. Not one fucking time. So I don't know where that came out. I don't know if he's declassifying information as he's talking, but- I've never heard that before, and I don't know how that happens, and they don't pick up any charges. I think he might have confused that with the 30,000 CrowdStrike email. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know where the fuck that came That came out of left field, right? I heard that. I was was like, okay, here we go with the lover's talk again, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. Emails. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Is this new? And and then he, he characterized their backup plan and all their conversations. As a plan to overthrow the government. Yeah, they um, had a they had a plan to overthrow the government. Which I don't that's never the way that it was described, you know, was that the plot mm-hmm. was afterwards to overthrow the government. And this was um, we people looked at this for a series of weeks. And I mean, it this was is not something that was like glossed it was, over. It seems like it was described more as they were gonna interfere in the election rather than they were going to overthrow the government after it was already in place and decided by the people. Like that seems really weird. Yeah, we we saved that for state just, legislation. No, I, yeah, I've just <laughs> not heard that particular character of what they did. Um, the last thing I had after that was when he focused on bringing up infrastructure. Again, started talking about some yeah. of the, the roads to go down next to. And the only thing, and I wrote it down in my notes, I said, the only thing I could say was, are we doing infrastructure week again? How yeah. We do this every year. Infrastructure week. Yay! And then gone. <laughs> Well, and then he said – the last thing I have written down is that he said that the Democrats wanted to destroy America. 
Oh, well, uh, you know. Yeah. If that doesn't get the crowd fired up, I don't know what does. Why Why is weird. Why is it a bad idea, Donovan, to, I don't know, assume that half the country are trying to destroy the country? Trying to destroy America. Did that work out real well for Hill Dog? Yeah, that's no it, good. It, it, it did not. It didn't work out real good for Don Lemon either. Yeah. Did you see oh, that shit? No. I oh. heard about it, but I haven't watched the actual video. I mean, it's... CNN at their finest. That's it's all I'm no going to say. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah. And his his non-apology afterwards was in lines with what you'd think. And the very, very last thing I had about that was on his way out, where Melania had already come up, and it's highly uncomfortable for her because he kind of just kind of keeps going. Yeah. You know? And then the applause starts on his way out. And he kind of does that thing where, oh, we have a camera. We, you know, he's he kind of steps back from the from the mic and just soaks up the applause, and then he kind of walks away a little bit, and then he turns back around, and then it's just like, oh, just just give it to me, give me the applause, tell me you love me. And then yesterday, um, Alexander Vindman said that he was going to resign, and he was fired and walked out of the building <clears throat> and along then- with his brother. And then Gordon Sondland got fired, too. Mm-hmm. And I just saw an article that said that a bunch of people, some several Republicans, begged President Trump not to fire Gordon Sondland, and then he did it anyway. Yeah. So I'm sure that that will not be the last of that. No, no, I'm sure it will not be the last of it. And I'm yeah. sure there's more house cleaning coming up right now. The uh, Ted Cruz did say in that last episode, along with Lindsey Graham, that don't think that just because the acquittal has been handed out that this is over. He said there will be no, another bombshell. No. There will be multiple more bombshells before the election happens, and then probably over the next four years. Yeah. So buckle up, get ready for a long drive. Buckle up. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So it was bad news. I said uh, probably the most unpresidential thing I have seen from the president in his three years in office mm-hmm. was fucking really bad. It's really, really bad. <laughs> so, yeah, now we can end it on all good Trump. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind um, of with the State of the Union. So, the day before that was the State of the Union address. And the State of the Union address was, I think, the best speech that I've seen President Trump give since he's been in office. Yep. So, he, like we said, he backed up this fantastic State of the Union with this fucking shit show of an address in the West Hall it was really backwards and weird. So bad, man. Yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is with that. My um, first note on this one was, good Trump. This was good Trump. This was him at yeah, his very best. Yeah. If we could have this every day, I'd vote for Trump again. But we don't have this. He this said, does not exist. This, nah. is a made, this, is an, this is a man playing a character at this point. And this is the Trump that people want. But it's uh, not the Trump that we deserve. <laughs> Look at that. Um, <clears throat> Maybe that's it. Maybe Trump is just a reflection of, of, of us what as America society. Deserves. We're yeah. not good enough for good Trump, but what we deserve is bad Trump. That is not a bad analysis of if good the Trump was this. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so he said that the State of the Union was stronger than ever before. Right. That's how he started. Yeah, um, and I guess that this depends well, on how you define uh, so it. So I guess. Yeah, how it really started was he walked in. Oh, and yes. This was he, important. There, Yeah. I don't think it's important, but this is like the big thing that people were, you know, were talking about. Is he walked in and he, 
he walked up to the podium and he handed the fucking the written copies of his speech and then he turned around and he didn't shake Nancy Pelosi's hand. I watched it a bunch of times this morning mm-hmm. trying to decide if I think that he snubbed her or he was already turning and didn't see her hand extended because she did grab it weird. Like she grabbed the written copy of the speech with her left hand so that the speech itself was kind of covering her right hand as it came forward. And I'm not trying to like overanalyze, but I really am interested in like where this started. Do you know? I know exactly where it started because it was, it's well, I I have the handshake thing written down first, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's what happened first. And then after that, it was, it's the other way around. Well, because the, the catalyst to the handshake, or the lack thereof. The off-brand intro? Was the off-brand intro. Okay. And which I, is something I, so that... I have written down this, so I must have just written down the handshake thing first. Oh, yeah, because that's... Before he even walks into the house, Yeah, that's how she introduces him. And that's... Even on NPR, the, the political correspondent said, this is the first time... He's seen 30 of these. This is the first time anyone has ever broken... And I'm just going to say tradition, because that's what yeah. it is. This, she's broken tradition by not inter, um, introducing him the way it has always been done. And that, if nothing else, is a 100% slight to the president. It's, it's the snub to the U.S. president, which then he decided to snub back by not shaking her hand, if that is how that happened. Um, and I'm going to try to... I don't remember exactly what she said. I thought I had it written down. But she essentially said, ladies and gentlemen of Congress, the President of the United States. Yeah. And then they clapped. He comes in, whatever. Hold on. And, yeah. Let me see if I can uh, find that here. Verbiage. House Speaker. Nancy Pelosi. Here we go. So this is the guy that's saying he's coming in the room. And so I'm going to fast forward now to when he's actually walking up to the desk because that's when. What does Nancy say? That's what I'm going to go to. And I want to see exactly how this series of events happened because I thought that I had written it down uh-huh. exactly as it happened. Maybe I, maybe I'm so misremembering. Walking up front, I, I could be. That's what I'm saying. I, I might have just written down handshake and then started watching it. So that's why I want to know. Okay. This is my honor. So he's walking up to the table. He's walking up to the desk. There he is. So here's the fucking. When does she say it? See, here's this first. The handoff to him. Yeah. The handoff there. Missed the handshake. Do do do. So much applause. It's disgusting. Bow to the Emperor Trump. Oh, come on, business insider. Hook me up here. All right, come on. There's so much applause in this. It's disgusting. Come on. Quit clapping for God's sakes, people. That's the hardest part of this thing. This thing could have taken a half hour. There wasn't so many applause breaks. Oh my gosh. Quit talking. Members of Congress. Oh! The President of the United States. Oh. So, so, so the handshake th- happened first. Oh shit. So that's. 
Because so the president thought, of the right? Congress introduces him. Yeah. Interesting. And, and he comes down, and then it's she should. There is a thing that usually she says, and it's she like said, it's my distinct pleasure or my honor and distinct. Members of Congress, I have the high privilege and distinct honor go. of presenting to you there the you president go. of the United States. So after, who knows whether or not it was decided beforehand, right? Yeah. But because she could have planned on saying it this way before the handshake thing ever happened, you yeah. know. And so that's why I tried to watch really closely. Whether or not he, I felt like he snubbed her or he didn't see her hand or he didn't whatever. Because mm-hmm. he didn't, I don't think he shake Mike Pence's hand. He just fucking handed he out the handed shit him. and turned around. Yeah. yeah. So. Again, he gave it to Mike Mike Pence first. Yeah. And and then, like I said, he, he handed her the speech. She grabbed it with her left hand. And then as she's pulling the speech back, extends her right hand as he's turning around. And so I don't know. If he ignored her or he didn't see her hand until he's too far away. So I'm not going to attribute it either way. I tried really hard mm-hmm. to figure it out before I got here so I could decide for myself. And I don't know. So and I'm not going to put it on anyone. But I can see how she obviously thought yeah. that he snubbed her. So I can see it. I understand I why. But as a third party who watched it fucking 30 times. Just I watching know. it a second yeah, time I don't like know. that. I don't That's- know. And I can't attribute it. And, and I then, can't help but think this is anything other than petty schoolyard bullshit either. Super. Yeah. Regardless. Super. And then at the end when she rips up the shit, it's all it's all super dramatic. All yeah. of it's super dramatic. But politics, especially this type of shit, is is theatrics. Yeah. You know? Um, it's, it's optics. So the handshake thing happened, and then she gave him the weird off-brand intro, which is semi-disrespectful, informal, whatever the fuck you want to call it, you know? Um, and then at the end, she ripped up his speech while he's still getting yeah. announced, right? But the first thing that he starts to talk, you know, there are people before he's even talking that are chanting four more years, which struck me as fucking, again, wildly inappropriate. Yeah. Wildly inappropriate for members of Congress. To be championing someone's campaign like that is is super inappropriate. It's not your job. Yeah. You should not – your focus should not be who the fucking president is. Um, and then for a long time, he rattled off a bunch of <clears throat> numbers about unemployment and the economy. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do some research on those while I was – Listening this morning, and the employment, the unemployment numbers seem to be correct. Yep. There are, you know, they're slightly inflated by like you know margins of points, but just mm-hmm. to round up to certain percentages, like and even at that point, to really objectively look at those numbers, you need under con, you need to understand yeah, the context yeah. of how they were taken. Does that include people that have multiple jobs? Does that yeah. is that just derived? Because for a while, their unemployment numbers were derived from how many people were collecting unemployment. And after a while, that runs out. Yeah. It's the same when he was touting food stamps and, you know, other governmental yeah. assistance programs. And those things also run out. Yeah, yeah. The percentages went down, but what does that actually mean? Right. And so and my mom actually raised that point to me that um, I think that what she brought up was TANF specifically. And I don't remember what that stands for, but there's a TANF. Six, yeah, TANF. It's, so I think it's T A N F. Um, there's a 60 month lifespan on it so you can only receive that assistance for 60 months and then it runs out temporary assistance for needy families so you have to also consider how many people's tanf benefits ran out during this three-year period because Mm -hmm. just because their 60 months was up and that's not you know i'm not like looking for ways to take shots of the president but those things 
play a role in what's going on oh, yeah. here. You know, we need to if, understand right. that if you're going to throw out objective facts, yeah, are they are they truly There's objective? There's things that go into that, yeah. But as far as the actual unemployment numbers, they seem to be fairly correct. You know, mm-hmm. based on like I, I found a couple of different graphs, you know, to try and just compare them to what he said, and they're about correct. Like I said, they're slightly inflated just to seem to round up. You know, yeah. but that's not they're not rounding three percentage points. They're going from six point six to seven. You know, which is like again mm-hmm. is a leap, but it's not a fucking ridiculous leap when he's saying seven percent. It's yeah. So they also seem to be about correct um but the problem with the trump administration's employment numbers have never been the actual numbers of unemployment because it's it's continued on this trend among many other things economically for the president it's continued a trend that was already happening which doesn't discount the progress that happened underneath him because it could have just as easily tipped off i think that's where he focuses so much on the stock market right because the stock market can change on a whim right you know versus the overall numbers so, but the the problem that people have always talked about with the Trump economy has been people's wages. It's not been the unemployment numbers. Those have been excellent, and you, there's no disputing that. You know, they've mm-hmm. continued to go down through his presidency, but it's the wages that people aren't really making more money now than they were before. And the only time he talked about more money that the middle class had was when he was talking about the money they were getting from the child tax credit. You know, people have on average twenty two hundred more dollars a year because of our child tax credit. Yeah, if you so, have a kid. so the child tax credit is two thousand dollars. So when you weigh all the people who have more than one kid versus all the people who have no kids, it's twenty two hundred dollars, right? Which really just talks that really just says there's more people filing taxes who have kids than don't have kids. That doesn't really say shit, you know. Because if you would have talked about it three years ago, they would have had twelve or eleven hundred more dollars than you know than they did before. Or and if it's he just said because that's how families, much the child tax credit was. Well, and if he's saying families are bringing over home twenty two hundred dollars more, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's right, because yeah. that's what right. your tax plan is: is to give everybody a child tax credit twenty two hundred dollars. Right. All you're doing is stating a policy you put in place. Right. Congratulations, you fucking egotistical maniac. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a series of different guests that were there. Yeah. Right. So I think the first 20 minutes or so of the, of the state of the union. All economy. All All just, this, this is up, this is up, this is down, this is up. Everything is great. Welfare, unemployment, all this shit. And that's when it ended to the true modern day, Whatever the State of the Union theatrics are, it was like a it was like a campaign rally almost. Yes, you know, it was almost like a campaign rally um, without and the foul language. So, so let's talk about some just the guests for a minute, and then yes. we'll kind of go through the other stuff. Guests were fantastic. Um, yeah, and so let me go through a, a list, and then I want to ask you about something. First one was Tony, the ex drug addict. Yep, um, that he now has a job and supporting his family and stuff, and spoke on the economic opportunities zones that were set up during the tax bill, which was, I've never heard of anything before. Right. And I think that was a fantastic and interesting thing to talk about. Um, After that was Juan Guaido. Yes. Who is the rightful leader of Venezuela, which I think was fucking really cool. Yeah. Which all the media networks are still referring to him as the opposition leader. Yeah. Which no, he fucking backwards. Recognized by 52 international nations that say he's the the 
the rightful president of Venezuela. After that was Ian and Charles McGee. Charles McGee is the Tuskegee Airman. Oh, my. Um, and his the brigadier great general, grandkid? Great grandson, yeah. Um, after that was Janiah Davis, who was a little girl who got a scholarship to go to whatever school she wanted. On the spot. Um, after that was Rush Limbaugh, and yep. he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. There's all people up in arms about that, which oh, the, yeah. the only thing I really have to say about, about that, right, the Presidential Medal of Freedom is awarded by the President of the United States, quote, for especially meritorious contribution to, one, the security or national interest of the United States, or two, to world peace, or three, cultural or other significant public or private endeavors. Russ Limbaugh has been in the radio for a fucking bajillion years. Yep. If that is not a cultural, significant, or, p- or private mm-hmm. endeavor, then I'm not really sure what it is, right? Yeah. So whether or not you agree with who Rush Limbaugh is or his politics or his whatever, he's been on the radio forming and helping form public opinion for fucking like two decades or something like that. I would – he is one of those few people yeah. that started doing what he was doing at a specific time that allowed us to be sitting here doing what we're doing today. Strange selection. One of the people. I'll, yeah, strange selection. I'll give you that. Yeah. But not unfitting. For- He's not alone. It's yeah. people like Howard Stern. Right. Definitely. Rush Limbaugh, particularly in the political sense, yeah. did that. But yeah. I mean, that's so strange, strange one selection of for Rush Limbaugh, but not unfitting for the description of yeah. of what constitutes giving someone the, medal, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. It's not up for me to decide. Yeah. I don't know fucking dick about Rush Limbaugh. So I was into Rush my, during, oh, my, uh, I fucking, during my heyday. I'm sure you, know, you were. Back when I was a member of the No Spin Zone. I'm sure you were. Had a um, mug that said No Spin Coasty. And then after that was... <sighs> I missed that mug. It was a good mug. Ellie Schneider, who was the two-year-old girl who <sighs> was born at 20 weeks and nine days. I cried. Um, there was there was some tearjerker moments yeah, yeah. here. After that was a guy named Rocky's brother, Jody, and Rocky was killed by an illegal immigrant um, who was here and then fucking blasted him at a gas station. That one made me drop a tear. That was um, rough. Carl and Marsha, whose daughter was kidnapped while she was in Syria and was yes. used as a slave and shit. Tortured um, and killed. And then was murdered. And then after that was Kelly and Gage and her husband and his father was killed in the Middle East, I believe in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And then after that was the Williams family, was a Marine sergeant who was brought home uh, as a surprise by President Trump. That one, I was watching myself. Jordan was giving Dax a bath, and I said, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And she came out, and I started to tell her about it, and my fucking voice was cracking, and I started to cry, and I was like, "That's fucked up. Like that's really fucked up what yeah. just happened." Um, I mean, if the, Facebook has proved that you can show one of those videos dude, to any, and it's gonna get you. It's that is dark, unfair. Yeah, that is unfair yeah. because that was fucked up. President Trump lives on the internet. He sees those things. He's hey, crying. Let's she's do one crying. of those. Yeah, he's crying. She's crying. They're panning to the audience. There's grown men, senators, and congressmen wiping their eyes because they're crying. I'm like, I did. This is fucked up, yo. All this is fucked up. Yeah. So let me ask you about this, right? <laughs> because there was a lot of people talking about how this felt like a reality TV show. You know, everybody's getting something. Everyone's this. Everyone's whatever. Oprah Winfrey. Over half of the people who were there as guests received something of some form of value. Right? Uh-oh. So let me run through Uh-oh. this list, right? The people that I attributed to receiving something of a form of value, 
right? Uh, somebody so some the first one for me, Juan Guaido. Yes, right. Juan Guaido, and this is arguable, right? But to me, I think he receives some of value the same way that you're arguing that Zelensky was going to receive something of value. <laughs> that Juan Guaido got brought to the Capitol and he was just stood up in front of the entire nation in the State of the Union address and addressed as the rightful leader of Venezuela. If that doesn't legitimize you in your own country and in the eyes of the rest of the world, I'm not sure what does, but right? Poor, poor old Zelensky. So, so that's debatable. So that's debatable. I'm not gonna, you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be mad at someone if they're like, that's bullshit. It's whatever, right? After that, I, I would say we are doing something to help Ukraine. Yeah. We are not doing anything I, except right. for so, sanctions, right? Ian and Charles McGee. Charles McGee was pinned as a brigadier general officially. Earlier that day. Which can I just say 1000% I totally, love every second. Totally of it. deserved. Yeah. I'm one not, of the last surviving arguing, Tuskegee Airmen. I'm not fought arguing combat these missions. World War II, yeah. Korea, Vietnam. This dude is a world hero, yeah. not a national hero. I'm not hero. arguing these people don't oh, deserve amazing. it because I'm not arguing they no, don't. No, 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 I'm no. just saying they did, right? After that, Janiah Davis, scholarship to whatever school she wants to go to before that program even kicks in, right? Well, she, yeah, because well, it's under a new program that they're going to yes. do through the federal government, so and so he is just announcing that so she is the first recipient of that of this, governmental yep. program. So after that, Rush Limbaugh, Presidential Medal of Freedom, right? Which you already defined as okay for him to get. To- totally legitimate, <laughs> totally fine, right? After that. The Williams family. Her husband gets brought home from war, surprised in front of the whole nation, right? He's going to come home anyway, probably. I don't know if he got brought home early. I don't know what the fucking deal is. But either way, she got surprised in front of the whole nation on national TV. Her husband came home. Mm -hmm. Think it's super fucking weird (laughs) that over half the people who were here as a guest received something of value. You could say, not in exchange, but because they were there. They received this thing of value. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's... Well, I mean, they were brought there to be presented to- with something anyways. They knew... Everybody... There's a reason they were there. Just weird, I think. You know? Because... I mean, Because I get they it. weren't all there for that, right? The first dude, Tony the ex-drug addict, he's just there as an example of like, this is a guy that's benefited from our current policy. Right? Yes, And yes, they yes. weren't all that. But he didn't this, get a new car. The girl, Janiah Davis... This is like, we started this policy. Guess what you're going to get is a fucking scholarship because your state government fucked you over. Guess who they're run by? Democrats. Super weird, right? After that, Juan Guaido, right? He's there not for a fucking state visit. He's there for the State of the Union because (laughs) no one fucking knew he was. I didn't know that he was here. So he's not here for a state visit. He's here to be at the fucking State of the Union to be legitimized by by the president, right? Did you hear that after that happened? Um, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name now. The dictator of Venezuela. Maduro. Maduro locked up six U.S. oil people down in fucking Venezuela. They were not. on house arrest. Now they're in fucking jail. I did not. Yeah, he was not real happy about that. <clears throat> so I just think it's weird that these people received, you know, and then mm-hmm. the other people, Ellie Schneider, she she's just there because he's like, you know what? Fucking pro-life, bitch, and we're going to save every baby we can, just like this one here. But it right? does, but does it they not didn't illustrate anything, his points? But that's what I'm saying. So, like, some people other showed people, up and got some. Yeah, these other people aren't there as a result of something he's already done to illustrate a point of, I'm fucking balling, the country is great, look at what we did. 
Look at these other things that I'm about to do, and I'm going to do it for you, and I'm going to do it for you, and I'm going to do it for you. I think that's fucking weird, dude. It's, I think that's weird. I th- I don't think it's weird. Weirder than just when you take into account I think it's weird what, over half of them receive something. I think it's weird that we do this at all. Why oh, is I this don't. happening, I, right? I, I don't I, and I understand it. And the president's I, a figurehead. This, I feel is. like this is your job. Like this, your job is to hold this to explain know. things publicly. You, you are. Yeah, when but someone not when what someone this is. Says when something bad happens and a citizen says, "I want a fucking explanation for this," the president is the person who gives that explanation. Like that's your job. Your job because everyone else, mm-hmm. everyone else in the legislative branch, the the Supreme Court, they're like. Fuck me, that I don't have nothing to do with that. I don't. It's not my job yeah. to tell the country that two towers just got hit by fucking planes and thousands of people are dead. Yeah, you're That's fucking you're George in Bush's job. You do that. It's George Bush's job. But as far as the State of the Union address, right? Yeah. You cut it off after that first twenty minutes. This is why. It, what it is is a chance for the president to get up there and say, "Hey, look how awesome I'm doing for you." America. Yeah. I'm going to say this in front of the Congress. I am I'm the best. Give me some approval ratings. Keep me in office. It's a little mini I wouldn't say it's a campaign speech, but it's a way for the sitting president to show the American people how awesome my administration has been. Things are good. We're working together. We're getting shit done and we're helping you out this way. What? And by by highlighting Recipients yeah. of government programs, mm-hmm. re- people that are receiving benefits like the little kid that got a, a scholarship to a different school, right? When he was emphasizing school choice, he's saying, hey, here's somebody that – it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody who received the first one or some nice, good story that that – you know, that speaks a good example that speaks widely about how everybody wants to be. We're trying to include everybody here. Mm-hmm. Whatever your narrative, you can find a candidate to fit that. But all you're doing is highlighting the benefit of a program that you put into place to show that I'm doing good things. And that's the whole thing is just a rain praise upon me for XXXXX reason. And I'm going to, yeah, homeboy over there, he doesn't get. A new car, right? Yeah. But you know what he does? He's not on the streets. He's not addicted to drugs, and he's got a job because of the incentive program that I built into this tax plan. Yeah. So now he doesn't get anything because he's already got it. He's already got a place <clears throat> to live and a good job now, or a decent job. You know, he's, I- his life is back on track. That was his gift. The kid gets her scholarship. You get your husband back. God, it, it still sounds like Oprah. And so, but it's legitimate because it's all things that have, they're all recipients of government programs or things that his administration has set up. Yeah. So it's not personally him handing those things out, but it's, it comes off real opery. You know, the more I talk about it, the less I get away from it. So the reason I think it's weird is because I don't, I don't think the State of the Union is weird because, like I said, the, the president, to me, being a figurehead is om- is like a morale booster almost. You know, well, it's also like a it's, double-edged it's, sword. Though it's the same reason that we have you know the Super Bowl champions go to the White House and the people who won the the mm-hmm. World Series go to the White House. You or know, not. <laughs> All, or, or not right, but they go and we do these things because because the president and, and should the make us feel the, good about America. Because right, because none of that shit, none of these things. The, the programs, the whatever, 
other than the things the president did himself, right? Mm-hmm. Like pinning someone, giving the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yes. Those things only the president can do. Yep. But as far as the recipients of certain programs, he can't do that by himself because he can't pass a law by himself, no. right? I mean, that's what so they so pointed the camera to me, the at state of the Union, the State of the Union is like a pep rally. It's like it's a it's a morale it's a morale booster for the nation because he's not supposed to be able to take. Too much credit all on himself because he can't pass laws by himself. So this is but one when opportunity he's doing shit to do like that. this by himself. That's I think is fucking weird, you know. Which when furthers his, it further cements his position as an ideologic figurehead, which is not a good thing. Yeah, he, it's it's making him more of this this monarchical figure. This you know this person on high. We're putting him on a platform, a pedestal, when we should not be doing that. Yeah. And that, again, it's another indicator that the republic itself is failing because we've decided that he's our president, but he's also the leader of our nation, right? But if you don't agree with him, you're on the outs. And there's no compromise. There's none of that stuff. It's all just we have the majority. We're we are in power. We're better than everybody. I'm in charge. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's been that way for a long time. He's just, he, he has a tendency to continue to say and act out that quiet part that you're supposed to hide and, and keep in the shadows and just, but he has no interest in that. Yeah. He wants to be Oprah handing out the cars. Absolutely. That's, that's all he does. Um, there were some walkouts. That was fun. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a, Tim Ryan made a big deal about it. Um, Rashida Tlaib, you know, all, all the usual suspects. They yes. found a point at some point to get up and walk out, which they could have just been like AOC and stayed at home just and, and Instagrammed, which I I don't know about you. I didn't bother to look at it, but last time she was doing that, she talked about she got into some trouble. But, I thought uh, it was fucking good, dude. It, it was, was good. It was good. Objectively, it was good. I came out of it feeling good. Yeah. You know, my, I was smoking a lot of weed. So, well, and there was like a bunch of senators, you know, on the way out, Republicans who were shaking his hand and they're like, fucking great job, dude. Like, so good. And I was like, dude, if I was there and I was a Republican senator, I would be jacked the fuck up. Like, yeah. I would be like, let's hit the bars because I'm out here balling right now. It's 11 o'clock. And I just heard the best fucking speech all year. Let's do it. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Oh, I would have hit the bars right afterwards. And I would have done some <laughs> bad shit, probably. Yeah. In my suit. My suit and my congressional pin have been like, what's up? I'm trying to get fucked up. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be a bar where they all kind of hang out. Right? There has to be. Man. I wonder if there's a bar in the basement of the congressional building. If there's not, there certainly should the be. Speakeasy. You know? Ooh. Yeah. That they can go like down yeah. there and then leave throughout like a back door. Yeah, because you know when when that whole thing went down, you know the congressmen weren't they weren't no handing over their hooch. Way. Come on, no, way. we all saw Untouchables, right? Yeah, that's a great film, by the way. Uh, any other standout moments for you? I mean, um, I, the only two things that I could pick out that were I have a bunch of stuff written down, but we're getting towards then, and mm-hmm. I got a. I gotta take my lady after dinner tonight. So, oh word! Uh, but the I think two we're doing things the same that thing. I that I picked out that were not true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just looking for lies. Because so much of it 
like legit you know yeah. um, and not because i'm always trying to find a fault in the present but just because i was like this is wild right the two things i found that weren't true were that he said so when he's talking about medicare right and uh you know uh medical insurance and like all this shit he was saying that he had promised to protect pre-existing conditions right which is which is not true at least on its face, because they're still actively in the courts trying to get rid of Obamacare, mm-hmm. which is the only thing that is maintaining pre-existing pre- conditions protections for people who currently have medical insurance. Mm-hmm. The moment that that's gone, unless there's something to immediately take its place to ensure that same protection, there's nothing to guarantee that the insurance agencies have to continue to protect pre-existing conditions. Yeah. So that's not true. Whether or not he said that he was going to, that's not true that they're protecting or actively trying to protect pre-existing conditions, at least the way they're operating now. They might be forming a new he has idea said, for medical insurance yes. that does protect pre-existing conditions, but the actions they're carrying out right now mm-hmm. are actively trying – to take away the only existing protection for pre-existing conditions. And I would say that if you ran this thing through Snopes, where it tells you mostly true, most, you know, whatever, I would say you'd come out with a partial truth on that one. Because as of late, he has said that they would do that. Yeah. But their actions dictate otherwise. So then they must be working on a new insurance plan to roll out. Yeah, because there's, like I said, the actions they're carrying out don't dictate that at all. But if that's what he's been saying, then he must have someone working on a new insurance, something to to combat Medicare for all. I'm sure there's somebody working something. Yeah. And so that must be part of his deal is to maintain that. I think Um, so. And then the other thing was talking about working to finally end America's longest war and bring our troops home. Mm-hmm. And that's like a half truth, you know, as far as like yeah. even trying to do that. But we've, I it think hasn't we've really worked out, out yeah, the way that it really um, – but those are really the only two things that I picked out that were like not true on its face. because a lot of it was safe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It was, and it was excellently written. Whoever wrote the speech was excellent. And there was a part at the end that I wonder was if it was Stephen about, Miller. Uh, it may have been. Um, because there was a part of the end, you know, where he's talking about how our ancestors, you know, fought at the Alamo and they fought for every inch of America's borders and they dug the trenches and they did this and the canals. And I was like, fucking America, dude. Like, I just was listening to it and I was like shaking my head. And when he was done talking, I was like, fuck me. Like, I'd like, had how did this I just happen. Yeah. That he was talking and I was like, yes, like that is America. You know, we are the hardest, baddest motherfuckers that have ever lived, and that's it. Like, we're soft as shit right now, but this is America, and at our core, we are hard as fucking nails. Yep. And I liked that a lot. So whoever wrote it did an excellent job. Does it say who wrote it? Uh, I haven't seen who oh. wrote it. I'm gonna, I'll Google I thought it that you quick. were, no, 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 there's, I'm no pressure. I thought that you were looking up who wrote it. I'm not, I didn't really no think about that until now. Yeah. Cause but I was like, man, wrote whoever it, wrote that, cause that, fuck, it wasn't him. Usually Trump didn't write Miller. It. Yeah. Usually Stephen Miller does it. Big speech writer Stephen Miller. So State big, uh, really into white people, Stephen Miller, that guy. Yeah, that's, you know, but it's a little weird. And 
speaking about white supremacist weird. propaganda for quite some time now. <laughs> just in his personal life, not in a professional capacity, but uh, yeah, he talks a lot seen about some it. Some things from his college days, uh, some <laughs> papers written about some. What are you saying? Nobody can change Donovan. Uh, they can change, but I heard an excellent podcast on Joe Rogan all. about that this about week. White supremacy or Stephen Miller and white supremacy about people. We'll just say former white supremacists. Yeah. And it was a gentleman, I have to find his name, um, who has personally converted out hundreds of, of people out of the KKK. Oh. Daryl Davis. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's a good podcast was to listen it? to. I'll listen yeah. to that one this week. Yeah. I mean, you get a little bit of a... You know, like uh, reparations type talk and systematic racism talk and stuff like that. Yeah. But overall, that's his view. That's fine. But what he has done is as insane. Some of the meeting with the head of essentially the world KKK leader at the time and then becoming friends and eventually him getting out due to this guy's friendship. Fucking weird, dude. The I don't weird, the balls on that guy. I think one of the weirdest things about white supremacy, at least in America, um, and probably go- globally, is how many people get out of it and then say it could have been anything that I had found at that time that I would have dove into. It just happened to be white supremacy. You know, yeah. like I was lost, so fucking lost that I found this and I was like, this is it. This is the truth and this is home. You know, so many of them are like, it could have been anything. It could have literally been anything. I was so impressionable, so looking for acceptance. It could have been anything. And it happens to be the KKK, you know, or the Nazis or the whoever the fuck, whatever group it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so interesting, you know, that it's just. And apparently it's got a new book coming out. So you might be interested in that. Really? It's What's it called? I'll have to go back and get it. I'll have to. I'll Google it right now because I'm sure it'll come up. Daryl Davis, Daryl Davis book, Daryl Davis book. I am definitely not Jamie. Oh yeah, clandestine relationships with clan being spelled with K. That's a good. That's a good. A black man's odyssey in the Ku Klux Klan. He's black. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah, it's almost. I guess like, that's uh, kind of important. Is this for the, the guy that the that the Spike Lee movie's based off of? Probably. You remember? You seen that movie? I have not it's seen called, it. Uh, that was the Black Klansman. Yeah, is what it's called. That's probably a take on it. Yeah, I would. I, I would venture a guess. Interesting. But this I have guy used not to be a cop. Uh, no. No. Interesting. Yeah, his whole back. He talks about. It. He's a he's yeah. a musician. Um, and his father was in the foreign service, so he did a lot of growing up overseas. And then I think when he was like ten or eleven, they moved back to the states. And he was in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts or something like that in a parade. And he was the only black kid there, but it's not something that he noticed at the time because he had grown up abroad. There was he had no idea what right. that people could hate him because he was black. Welcome to America. Yeah. And so he shows up and during this this parade, there's a group of people, including adults, that are starting to throw rocks and bottles and shit at him. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? He just, somebody got excited throwing something. And next thing you know, all the adult troop leaders and stuff are just scooting him out and away from everything and getting him out and fucking driving him away. And he's like, what is going on? And that's the first time he actually ever experienced racism. And then it just didn't make sense to him because he just had grown up 
without ever having to deal with it. Yeah. And it was all at once kind of a beautiful and sad thing to hear. And it is enthralling. So everybody go check out that episode of Joe Rogan. Uh, episode 1419. 1419. Boom. That is a dickload of podcasts. 1419. Ah, the dude is amazing. He's had a... Over the last couple weeks after his little... Uh, Bernie Sanders endorsement half thing that he did that the Bernie people put out and people started attacking him and all this good shit and writing more articles that he's a transphobe and he hates gay people and all yeah. this crazy shit and... I listened to that episode that you had talked about when he was talking about the deal with Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And I didn't, he was talking about he got offers from like all the other candidates to try and be on his show. Yeah. And he was like, no, I'm not no. interested. No. He only has crazy people on that he's interested in. And he was talking about uncomfortable with that type of power, you he's, know, and I think that's, I he's never to talk about it. I knew obviously how big Joe Rogan's podcast was, but I didn't consider. So powerful that he was uncomfortable with the power that he had by he just says, speaking to people he yeah, enjoyed speaking so to. The opinions that he espouses on his show, yeah. literally, now it's been proven, they can sway elections. Yeah. And that is terrifying to him. And he doesn't like that. So he's thinking about, I don't think he could do it, but like as far as having actual candidates on... I don't think he's interested anymore. No, he had said that. Yeah, that he wasn't really going to talk about politics anymore because it it's just not isn't. a good place. Because you sit there and you fucking get high and drink with your friends and talk shit, right, or whatever. It's like you don't know what you're going to say. What happens when you say something That's, that yeah, you a hundred percent? You know, and you're sitting there talking. It's like you I've done fourteen hundred plus podcasts, and in so many of them, I did why I was stoned. You know, it's yeah. like what you do you expect? Like people have even just asked me about that things that we've said, and I like I don't remember the stuff that we've said the moment that we're done. As no. soon as we're done recording, I couldn't tell you what we talked about during I my can. edit of the pre-show to yeah. write the little blurb on the pre-show. Yeah, I have to listen to it yeah. while I'm writing it up because yeah. I don't fucking remember mm. what we said. I don't remember. I have I have no idea. I don't. So like we have we've spoken for over two hundred hours probably collectively, um, just on this that we've released. You yeah. know, I can't. I have no including idea. the mystery episode. You could write made up shit and say you said this on this episode. I would say I'm really sorry. That's <laughs> that's fucked up. I shouldn't have said that. And I I would rather hear the audio. But if you're telling me I said it, I may very well have said that. And yeah. I'm not gonna you know. I do my best to make sure that I don't say anything I don't want to have to defend later, you know. But uh, you can only can't do control what you it. Can do. Yep. There's been a couple of, a couple episodes where I had one too many beers, and it's a good thing Jordan was driving that day. You know, <laughs> that's a thing that happens. Like, so there's that's, nothing I can do. That's about why that. we planned that shit yeah. out. Be like, all right, we're going through this case beard today so well, especially bring like your wife the over. fucking the century club episode and like yeah. the power hour episode like i was fucked up you know yep. there's nothing i can do about yeah, that do we, i don't why do we think we do this show out of my house <laughs> lucky i didn't say anything that was jokingly racist you know that could be interpreted some other type of way like that shit happens you know it does jokes that's, like that are funny that's and, because people are people yeah and it's not like that's what's so weird about twitter right is when you write something down it's a hell of a lot different than when you say something. Right, right. You know, know, talking about the, that, yeah. yeah, the whole impact of somebody's written word is vastly different than just me and you shooting the shit. It's weird. It's way weird. People are fucking weird. 
That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, All right, so we're gonna we got to get out of here pretty soon, don't we? Yeah. Um. So it's four thirty. So actually, and actually, go ahead. So we're gonna not do sports this week. Okay. Um, We'll talk about sports next week. We're gonna talk about Kobe Bryant. Um. And we'll talk about Super Bowl. Um. Yeah. Okay. I mean, NFL's over, so you don't have all your (laughs) Super Bowl. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs won. Um. It was a good game. I watched it with Isaiah, and the best part for me at the end, and this is really dark, but um, Kobe Bryant died two Sundays ago, obviously with two weeks tomorrow. Um, horrible thing, horrible, horrible. And his daughter. Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and I think eight other people that were yeah. there. Uh, so, obviously, horrible for all of them. But I think <laughs> this is really fucked up coming out right off the back of that. But the funniest thing that happened was Isaiah, our friend, who's a huge 49ers fan from the Oh, band, yeah. Was standing up after the game, he had his arms down, and he was just kind of like looking up, you know. And he says, "I lost Kobe in the Super Bowl in the same week." <sighs> and I fucking, I had just taken a picture of him on Snapchat, and I started fucking crying. I was laughing so hard. I said, "That's oh. the best fucking thing I have ever heard anyone say." That is. Horrible, quality dark sad. humor. Yeah, not that Kobe's dead, but yeah, Buffy's. I lost Kobe in the Super Bowl in the same Jeez. week. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Oh, oh it was so fucking funny. Is he a Lakers fan too? I think that he must be. Yeah, I think just kind of like. Where did this guy? Did he used to live in California? Yeah, okay. yeah, he's from there. Um, and so it's, he moved up from there, I think, mm-hmm. when we were in like junior high. Well, he um, certainly can't be a Sonics fan. No, no, he can't be a science fan. But yeah, it was fucking pretty funny. That is funny. I was that a is huge classy. fan of that. Yeah. I love it. I felt bad for him, but it was a good game. I had a good next week we'll talk about the cultural and societal implications of the halftime show because it, it corrupted my dear baby son when he watched it. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys I work with was like, I'm really glad I wouldn't I, we didn't watch it because I wouldn't let my kids watch that. Well, I mean, do you remember last year when Adam Levine had like almost his dick hanging out because he had so much clothes off on stage? Yeah, that wasn't a problem. I don't remember hearing any outrage about that. But well, he's got his white his uh, white male privilege is showing. He's not that white though, considering how many tattoos he has. Weird. If that's all we're fucking worried about is the color of people's skin, Adam Levine doesn't belong to nobody. He's a patchwork. If Me Too's gone so far that we can't even accept. The fact that those two women are in dime pieces, then where, where are we really at in society? Yeah. You know, that we can accept two women who are choosing to do what they want, show off their bodies and celebrate themselves how we want. We're not okay with that. That's Good old unacceptable. Feminine power. That seems really backwards from what I was taught when I was growing up that I needed to respect a woman in the way that she chose to dress because she was doing it for herself and not for me. But now it's not okay because she shouldn't be doing that because of other people. But she's chose to dress that way. Right? And can I just say, really weird. can we fucking get over it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. Janet Janet, Janet Jackson had a nip slip. I saw her whole boob when I was a oh kid. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen an episode of Game of Thrones? Do you know that, like, in a lot of countries out there, like, there is nothing sexual about this thing right here when yeah. – what is can we just fucking grow up it's weird can we this is a thing that humans do and it's actually a pretty good thing if you do it because that means you can further the human race and be 
can we just chill the fuck out about this whole prudish mentality of like, oh my god, sexuality, nudity, bad things, yeah. corrupting like said, the children. Also, they're f- super hot. So they're fifty and f- super 47? hot, like forty, yeah, something like that. I super hot, dude. I'm not uh, gonna. I got you know, nothing bad to say about Shakira. Ever. No, me and Jordan talked about it the Especially same day. Especially because Objectively, they're her. both gorgeous. Objectively. Yeah. And I also like that it was pointed out by many people's children that Shakira's wearing the same outfit that her character wore in the movie Zootopia. Literally the exact same thing. Oh, shit. Yes. That's hilarious. She played a singer in Zootopia. I like and, that movie. Yep. It's a good movie. It's yep. fun. And so she's wearing like... The same outfit. Literally the exact same outfit that her character is wearing in Zootopia. See, that's adorable. Yeah. And so I saw like a tweet or something of somebody who asked their young child about it and their kid said, I don't know what the big deal is. She's wearing the same thing that her character wore in Zootopia. And I was like, oh, fuck you. Zootopia. (laughs) Movie's deep. (laughs) It runs deep, dude. What's what's that uh, something Wells run deep? I don't know. Sure, dude. Let's just go with it. Don't okay. ask me for uh, folksy wisdom right now. Whatever you say, bro. <laughs> the question is, so I kind of told you a little bit about uh, sex toys and a demo on how to flog a woman. Uh, so what do you think about this, babe? My my wife sent me. Oh, oh, it's something from the Daily Mail. That's I love that. Oh, <sighs> okay. Promoting sex violence. Okay, I guess I'll look into that later. It's probably some stupid people trying to say that this is a new thing where I don't I don't know. I don't want to get into that. Daily Mail gets deep sometimes. You ever seen that? The Daily Mail fucking yeah, thing that oh people yeah. see on the Snapchats? Yep, 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 yep. I mean, everybody deserves something that they can look at and shut their brain off, and I think that's what the Daily Mail is to me. It's no different than TMZ. Every now and again you get something real. Yeah. But a lot of times it's it's the modern day tabloid, and I'm not into it. But I'll have to look into that one. It looks interesting. I'll look into it. Sure, what, I don't even something about dildos and that's what I I don't I I read that. Anyways, that's it. I'll look into that story. It looks like some weird you know sex cult type stuff. Doesn't look good. Hopefully, we'll see what that's all about. I don't know. What do we do with the world nowadays, bro? I don't know. I don't know. You know what? Buckle up, Buttercup, because you're in for a good old Western grip style hand job. <laughs> we can't even get double Dutch rudder. No, <laughs> the double Dutch rudder. He says. <laughs>